House of Run podcast. What are you into these days? Mostly running, Howard. Running. Yeah. Look at Bill! Look at Bill! Coming on! Bill, you're coming on! I'm not thinking about making the team. I'm thinking about gold in Munich. What can I say? I got beat by a zebra. Starts now. Welcome back, everyone, to the House of Run podcast. House of Run at gmail.com is our email address. My name is Kevin. His name is Jason. We're going to wrap the Prefontaine Classic this week, which, man, that was an eventful meet. Jason, wouldn't you say? Yeah. I mean, it's it's always good. Um, but yeah, there was a. I mean, I, a lot, I feel like a lot of things changed coming out of there, which I don't know if I expected that. Not at all. Not at all. I mean, I thought we'd get some sort of clues, but things changed that I didn't think were going to change. I guess I'll say that. I'm not surprised that things changed. Yeah, like I have, I have very like different opinions about a few different events now. That wow. I, yeah, didn't expect. So, And one of them is the men's 800, I'm assuming, right? Yes, it is. That wasn't at the meet. No. Never mind. <laughs> that was not at the meet. So that one could not have changed. Well, also, uh, we'll preview Rabat. A little bit that's gonna happen this weekend and we'll get to your emails there's a lot of them high quality emails as well too uh from some folks about a variety of topics you know mike z wrote in he recapped the florida state meet which is exciting it's a high school Love meet it. we got uh brian quadrupling down on cooper tier Love it. We got a Hayward review, which Hayward took some uh, criticism, took some heat this week, the weekend, because people saw the empty seats. So there'll be a defense of Hayward. And then a, I don't want to say a full throated defense of the 800, but mm. I think we're narrow, we're getting like a lot of people vying to be the 800 meter correspondent who are just yeah. like, right, or just 800 meter take havers who just every week are going to write in with an updated thought on. The men's 800, because everybody wants to love the 800. Men, women, high school, college, pro, it doesn't matter. Everybody wants to Me love too. that event. I, and I, I want to love it. Everybody's but, just bummed. Yeah, but it's weird. Like, I mean, I respect it because I like I loved it at a time, you know, and I want to, I know I'm going to love it again at some point. And the women's 800, like, I, I still love that. Mm. Um, but men's 800, I love the people who are talking themselves into it. Like, it's. <laughs> It's like the Jacksonville Jaguars are just like you're, you're a fan and you're just like this is this is the year this is gonna happen. It's gonna be amazing. All right, let's well, start first with pre though. Yeah. What was the top story for you? <sighs> top story for you I, for I, Jason, not yeah, for the world. Yeah, because I but think for Jason for me, I think it has to be Michael Norman because that was the biggest wow of the meet because it changed the way I viewed the 400. Like Michael Norman's back. That's, that's a bigger deal than just about, than, you know, obviously I mean, you go Friday night, there's like making the world championship team, which Mm -hmm. is a huge deal, of course. And those were, those were fun races, but like, this is like possible gold medal changing. Yeah. And that, uh, that hasn't looked like the case in a few years. And, you know, we were, Michael Norman was in complete limbo where it was kind of like, all right, yeah, he'll, you know, he'll make the team because mm-hmm. men's four is not that good. Um, but I wasn't convinced he was the best 400 meter runner in the US, let alone, you know, a medalist or anything. He runs 4360 and that just immediately, of course, will put you, I mean, that's right there with anything Stephen Gardner can do. So mm-hmm. 
obviously it's one race. You want to see him build on that, but man, we hadn't seen that in a while. And the way he ran that race and the way he closed, yeah, you man. know, off a, off a yeah. good race, that was just like that looked like vintage Norman. So I mean, that's huge. Yeah, it's weird to be oh talking about a vintage race for a guy who's was twenty four. Yeah, something like that. Exactly. Is that right? Twenty four. That's and probably right. We're talking about ah. Remember the Halcyon days of when he was twenty. Yeah, twenty four or twenty one. Like those were the days. Yeah, it prompted some texts. We haven't texted a ton, you know, about like whoa moments in track and field. But I texted you, holy shit, throwback Norman, and you said, yeah, wow. He's back. Man, our texts are interesting. I should read more of these on the on the pod. This is really so much basketball and then a little yeah. sprinkling the track and field. I was gonna get to I was gonna get to the basketball text in a minute. Uh, yeah, it made you feel silly for thinking he was out of it, but then you look at the last couple races stretching all the way back to last year. I say last couple of years, yeah. This was in line, I think though, with the two hundred he ran, where he lost to Curly nineteen eight. I mean, this was better. This is way better. Uh, yeah, yeah, but I'm saying if he ran 44-2 or 44-3 and got second in this race, we'd be like, he should switch to the 200. <laughs> yeah, I was honestly, ready to, yeah. I was ready to pull the plug at that point and say, go to the 200. You ran 19-8. You barely lost to Fred Curley, who could win a gold medal this year in that event. So you should do the, you should the 200. But not only did he not run an equivalent time, he went – better than that and yeah man that last 200 whoo i was excited i was fired up you know track fans people follow the sport you just you want to see people reach their potential or at least maintain where they're at a little bit like i think that's a natural bias everyone has when they when they watch these things even if they have rooting interests so i was just excited because i felt it didn't make sense that he wasn't good. No, it <laughs> or didn't as at all. good as he was. Yeah, it didn't make sense. No, I mean you're absolutely right, but it's you know, and it, I, I get it. 2020, 2021, weird years in every. You were getting on me about him. You were like, "Why do you still believe in this guy?" And I said, Listen, "No, I, I, I did. I was, you know, I wasn't saying his career was over, but I was just like, hey, there's no reason for me to like believe he's going to be a medalist right now. Like, I just don't see it. You know, like I needed to see something. It was." You know, it was just the the Lyles thing was was happening at yeah. a similar time, and it was yeah. just like, what's going on with these like unbelievable like talents? Um, and yeah, just like that. I mean, Lyles has looked good this year. Um, may not be the best in his event anymore, but he still looks really really good. And Norman, I mean, just did a, I, I don't know, I I didn't double check. That's his second fastest time ever, probably. Yeah, one one hundredth behind what he ran at Hayward to win the twenty eighteen NCAA championship. So only behind his forty three forty five, yeah. From, so his previous two best times were a Mount Sac time in April and the NCAA championships, you know, from four years ago. That's what we were looking at. It really, yeah. you we joke all the time. Is it time to panic? Is this person? Is it, are they done? But it was just getting to a point where it was gonna go. Oh, I, the panic button was pressed for me. I, yeah, it wasn't. I wasn't like, oh, he's done. He needed this. He needed this. Yeah, but I was absolutely like, hey, he's not what he was. Like, he's that's just, that's just the case. And, you know, now I think he's the only guy, you know, I could realistically see beating Stephen Gardner. Like, if you force me to pick right now, I'd still pick Gardner probably. But mm-hmm. I think, you know, he's he's got to be right there. And if he can do this, <clears throat> he doesn't have to run 43-6 every time out. But if he 
can look anything like this for the rest of the season, then yeah, it's it's those two guys, and that's makes this event so much more interesting. What do you think it was? I don't know if we'll ever get an answer on it. Like, what was it? Physical? Was it a psychological thing? It's <sighs> a great question. Yeah, because he, you know, he had some injuries that we saw, but it also seemed like it seemed like it just kind of happened. Like, and there was no. I don't know. Maybe maybe he was quiet about some stuff too. But there, it, it seemed to come out of nowhere. Mm-hmm. But he would also like, even in like the off years, it was like, okay, I'm gonna run nine eight. Yeah, in a hundred, <laughs> and you'd be like, okay, cool. And then it's like, okay, but now I'm just gonna run, you know, forty fives and mid forty fours. So mm-hmm. It's like, okay, I don't know. I don't know what to believe. And then you know, he ran the forty four zero in the Olympic trials. Like that was the only race where he kind of looked good. But even then, it was like forty four zero isn't. You know, it's not exactly prime Michael Norman. He finishes fifth at the Olympics. Like, it just looked like a guy who just kind of lost. And, yeah, maybe it was confidence. Maybe it was whatever. But, I, I yeah, I wish I had any idea. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Maybe one day we'll find out. But, yeah, the off the COVID year, right? The 9-8. All right, cool. There was enough there to, to keep it going. People who you think have been washed have had a great last couple of weeks so you said clay thompson was done and then he rained like seven threes down on you in the mavericks in a closeout game and then now michael norman 43 60 i did not say clay was done i just said he's not the same player he was which <laughs> no, I, I still got, stand by i got those texts that'll take a lot more scrolling though to get to <laughs> but all right who else who else surprised you uh i guess if we're doing surprises um i mean shakari Looked really mm-hmm. good. Um, she finishes second to to you know Thompson, who she wasn't going to beat Elaine Thompson. Like that just wasn't going to happen. So this was kind of a best case scenario, and in a loaded field, mm-hmm. um, that's this is huge. I mean, this is you know, and it, I was kind of surprised at just how not fast. Like I expected something faster out of the both the men's and the women's hundred. Like mm-hmm. Elaine Thompson ran ten seventy nine, which. It for her is fairly slow, and the rest of the field was in the ten nines with, you know, the entire Olympic final basically in there. Yeah, um, <clears throat> men's hundred. Well, you know, we'll get to as well. That was just like, oh, I was I was thought thought we were going to get something really good there. Um, but bottom line is, Sherry beats you know like all of those other people. Mm-hmm. So outside of you know Thompson and Shelly and Fraser Price, like she now has to be right up there with anybody else you pick, right? Like I mean. Yeah. It's not like, oh, for sure she's better than Dean Asher Smith or Tulu or any of that, but like she is easily on that list and she also has the most upside. When we do the range of where the people can finish, we're probably more narrow than we should be because we're not accounting for things like injuries or false starts. Yeah. And just general weirdness of the season. I mean, I still, I, Thompson Hurrah and Fraser Price have both looked so good this year. That the idea that both of them, I mean, the world championships aren't that far away. So yeah. the idea that both of them would lose to her, I think is a, is a stretch, but I think silver is in play. Like right now I'd say like two through six or seven is the range is that I'm what I'm looking at right now. Yeah, I think that's fair. I think, you know, she's not as good as those other as those two jamaicans like but you said stuff happens right that's what i'm saying i'm not saying she's Um, ranked second i'm just saying i could see like it's it's possible you gotta go wider you gotta go wider the the odds of her beating both are are basically you know close to zero but you're right like something could happen with one of them um 
but they said with her upside, mm-hmm. um, you know, I, I guess you would make her the favorite for bronze, but I mean, it would be her, um, yeah, you know, Trika Jackson, Dina, Dina Smith, like it'd be a whole group of women who would be really close, mm-hmm. but if she can build on this at all, then she should kind of takes over that third spot and yeah, like I, I think she needed a race like this too. Which again, oh, 100%. Yeah. Early 20s athlete that were just like, oh, they desperately needed a win. Um, yeah. But yeah, it was it was big for her. I think. There's this there's a soft spot in terms of you look at the performance list between Thompson, Harrod, and Fraser Price and everybody else. And it's that, you know, high 10 7, 10 8 range. There's a lot of people that can run 10 9. There's not, so if she can run 10 8s. She doesn't need to get back to where she, I don't even think she needs to run as fast as she did in twenty twenty one. I think if she should get back to if she runs, she 10, might with Sharika Jackson running ten, you know, ran ten seven like three or four times last year. Um, did she? Well, she, I mean, she did, yeah, which is crazy, but we haven't seen it though. There's definitely a gap though between those two. It's the difference between two of the all time greats versus. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, like I said, she's in that that group. You know, I, 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 you know, she wins, so she she gets to be on top of that group for this week. Um, and maybe she'll stay there, but, uh, yeah, I, I don't think there's separation necessarily between her and like I said, that, that, that kind of next group, but, uh, yeah, I guess. Yeah. I just, I'm looking at the, those Olympic results, right. For the women's hundred. And we know Fraser Price didn't run that well, but you know, 1061, 1074, 1076, and then a jump to 1091. So you're right. I, I should have, I should give Jackson more yeah, credit. 1077, 1079, 1076, and 1076 last year. Yeah, sure. So maybe, but I, I don't know. I still think, I think if she runs, if Richardson ran 1077, if you told me right now she's going to run 1077 in the World Championship final, I think I'd say that she medals. The, ch- the, the chance of I, people. Yeah, I mean, I think your performances are low. I think tough. That's tough to repeat that same performance. No, for sure. And, and it, I mean, if you look at the history, it was like, hey, that was. An oh insane yeah. year, but it's like I just don't know. Did things just change? Like, yes, things is do that change, Jason? <laughs> but I mean, like, <laughs> is it just like a different world now? Though, like, is it, I mean, before, yeah, ten seven was always going to win track? you a medal. <laughs> but I, I, I think it's probably. I think you're probably right. Like, I, I would bet on if you gave me like ten seventy six is the over under for a bronze medal. Yeah, I'd be like, yeah, it's probably going to be slower than that um but i I don't know i mean you have two just all timers Mm -hmm. and then a pretty good group of talent right below that of of women who have who have run that consistently shrieks jackson you know like i said pulled the fred curly basically last year and just yeah it's already great Mm -hmm. so i'm not willing to say for sure that that's the case i'm just looking this year she's run she never ran excuse me she never ran under 704 indoors in the 60. <clears throat> and then she ran 11 flat in Kingston, 11 12 in Birmingham, and then 1092 at Pre. Yeah, she ran 11 flat into a minus 1.82. So, I mean, whatever. I'm not, I don't care about wind anymore. Just. Well, she, I mean, she lost Asher Smith pretty convincingly in Birmingham and then now loses these two. So, I don't, yeah, it's that's why it's I'm giving the range the two through six, two through seven. You know, Richard's lost to make the team. That's not, that's not a gimme, but. I'm just saying I would I would bet if she my my prior is Richardson doesn't need to PR in order to she needs to run near her PR but she doesn't need her PR 
to get a yeah, and her PR is like ten seventy, ten seventy one. So yeah, yeah, yeah. But the idea that everybody's gonna like follow Thompson Hurrah and Fraser Price with these marks, I just I don't see it. I don't see it. No, no, no. I don't see a <laughs> group of women running ten six. Um, to be clear, I just think there could be, you know, by the end of the season, there could be five women who have run ten seven. Like that's not crazy to say. Mm, yeah, yeah. I just this was a good result. Just be, forget the time. Just who she finished in front of. I think is is huge, especially because there were top American women in this field. So she gets one over them. But Thompson Ra, meanwhile, just looks like she's floating above it all. Fraser Price ran the two. That time wasn't that fast, though. I don't really know. No, what that meant. was slow a little bit. I mean, she still she won. won easily. Yeah, so it doesn't really matter. I guess that's all that really matters. And I just don't think of her as, you know, I mean, she's a good 200 meter runner because she's just so good at the 100. But like, She's a 100-meter runner, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, that's, yeah. Men's 100. But that's a weird race. I mean, to win in 22-4, and then the rest is like 22-7, 22-8, and it's not like it was a bunch of nobodies in there, you know? Brown, Prandini, Kambungi. Yeah. Like, I mean, it was it was like, yeah. So that was just one of those weird ones. Yeah. Men's 100. You didn't have Bromel listed as the favorite, right, on your odds? I had him second, yeah. Okay. So, um, it so felt, yeah, I would say... It yeah. felt like a, a surprise, though, for some... Why did it feel like a surprise? He was added to the field late. He celebrated. So that was kind of weird. <laughs> so right? celebrated early, too? This like a- right, he did, yeah. Um, and he won easily. I mean, it wasn't... You know, yeah. like you said, even celebrating early. 993, not, you know, anything crazy fast. You know, Curly runs 998, and the rest of the field's over 10. Um, again, just kind of slow, where I was just like, oh, man, Bramell... You know, you're thinking in your head, like, okay, Bromel ran 9.7 a few times. Coleman's run 9.7. You know, Curly's run 9.8 a ton. Like, we get something really crazy. And it was kind of like, nope, mm-hmm. this is just a kind of thing. But Bromel, he was the favorite for gold last year. And then he fell apart for whatever reason. Injuries, I don't know. Um, but he looks really good this year. And if you beat this field, this is, you know, obviously you have Andre de Grasse, um in, in May form. Mm-hmm. which doesn't count, you know, that's like yeah. before he transforms. Um, yeah, that's like Thanos. Bef- I don't, I haven't watched Thanos <laughs> movies. Can you finish that for me? Uh, with before the Infinity Gauntlet? Yeah, like it's... Way before the Infinity Gauntlet. Like the Infinity <laughs> Gauntlet is like third or fourth on his notes app. For yes, to-do exactly. list on Sunday. Uh, he finishes last, of course, so perfect. Um, yeah, don't pay attention to that. No, because it's hilarious. It's just one of those things the I have thing to bring is, up because he does it every year. The thing that surprised me here is Knighton, 1014. I I guess I just thought the whole field was going to be faster. Well, I don't know if you saw it. Knighton kept running, and he ran 19.9. So I think it was like still pretty good. That surprised me. I mean, there's like a sneaky thing that I didn't even really think about until now. But Lyle's beating Knighton by almost a tenth in the 100. That's a good sign for no Lyle's in the 200, isn't it? Or are we just assuming this is just a completely guess. different race? Yeah. So. I, it just, I guess when I see like 10 O's or 10 ones for guys like that, I, just, I'm just tempted to just like throw it all away. Yeah. Cause right. I'm like, cool. You beat them, but you ran slow. So like, what am I supposed to take out of that? Mm-hmm. You know, like it's just, so it's, um, but yeah, I mean just in general beating your biggest competition, even if it's an off race, right? Like that's still, that still matters. Um, yeah, so that was a weird race. I mean, I, I you know, I, I like if you had to pick, who's the gold medal favorite right now? Is it Bramel? 
Is it Jacobs? Is it Coleman? Well, Jacobs is in trouble because he just yeah, posted... one drop out is one thing, but this keeps happening. Yeah, he posted a picture on Twitter on Wednesday holding walking away from a camera holding his hamstring. So either the photographer's getting nice. everything or we have a staged shot here to show how much his hamstring hurts. And he said he's pulling out of Rome and Oslo. So even before that, his race wasn't that good. He ran north of 10. You can't pick Coleman. Curly races a lot, but he's picked up some losses. Curly might be like one of the safest for a medal, right? Yeah, which end up, which could end up being gold at the end of this. Yeah, honestly. But I think it would need to be Bromel, wouldn't it? Yeah. No, I, I think he deserves to be the favorite right now. Um, you know, the only reason you wouldn't pick him is you go, hey, what happened last year? Like, that's... <laughs> That's literally it because he's been – he's looked really good, and he just beat pretty much everyone he's going to face. Coleman surprised me. I, I had Coleman winning. Me too. I, th- I thought he would have been better. But then you look at – I thought he had to be the favorite coming in, but yeah. So you look at Bromel's season, 9.75 with a 2.1 in Jacksonville. Puerto Rico, he wins in 9.92. Celebrated early. And then DQ'd in, in Birmingham in that race where Hughes got DQ'd after that. So maybe he runs Birmingham and he runs, I don't know, that track wasn't really fast either. But, you know, he runs 989 or something like that. And then we're already thinking, oh, this guy's a favorite. I think we just, because he wasn't there, sort of forgot about him. Um, but I think the hundred's wide open. I mean, with the injury to Jacobs, you have Makai Williams, you know, Oregon runner who was on the 4 by one team last year for Team USA, ran really well at the trials. He ran 986 at the West Prelims yeah. too. So... Like he's going to be in there. Making that U.S. team is going to be insane. Yeah, Christian Coleman is very happy that he has. Oh buy. yeah, that's. I mean, that's huge. Honestly, like if I was Coleman, I would show up to those rounds. Like I would show up. I'd run the hundred at the meet, and then just like I'd walk by some of the other top guys and be like, "What did you say? Bye? Did you see someone to buy? Yeah, I have a buy. Yeah, that's me. Or I just <laughs> walk around with a big card. This is my wild card entry. Just eating an ice cream cone. Yeah, yeah <laughs> just full on psychological warfare for Christian Coleman. Look, here's the, I think, I mean, so like Baker was a scratch. Bracey was a scratch. I'm just talking about the U S side of things here. Right. So I'm talking about yeah. these, that we were talking about the crazy potential eight person final that USA's could be this year. And Baker and Bracey were involved in that. They're both scratches. Bednarik has not looked like the 2021 Bednarik yet. I mean, nope. Way back in 1018. Night. He runs the two this week, so that we'll we'll see what happens. Yeah, and that'll be a you know that's more his his specialty. Knighton, I mean, I'm willing to say he just it's just going to be two hundred. He's just going to be yeah. focused on the two, and, and you don't blame him. Yep. So then, who is it down? Lyles is yeah, going for the double the as well. Well, I know, but I think he's, he's going to go for the double, which I think he should. I mean, he's point oh one behind Coleman. Shoot your shot, like yeah, yeah. I mean, I guess I I, I just I, he hasn't run a good hundred in like three years or four years or something like that. It seems like, um, but. I guess it doesn't hurt, but making that 200 team, I mean, if Bednarik gets anything like he is, Knighton, I don't know. I mean, he's I mean, not going to get know. tired. He's not going to be tired for the, I mean, No, that's true. I mean, but it's just, I guess, go for it. But uh, yeah, I just don't really have any faith in him making that team. Here's the U.S. list this year in the in the 100. So you have Williams, like I just mentioned, 96, Curly, 92, Bromel, 92. Um, hold on, let me get this in. Then number four, Matthew Bowling, ninety-eight. Wow. Uh, Kyrie King, 
98. So this does not include Coleman, but that's fine because he has the buy anyway. So I'm guessing we're I'm I think one of, if not probably two of, Baker, Bracey, or Benaric is gonna put a mark out there before trials that's gonna make us go, okay, they're a yes. factor. Absolutely. But like as it stands right now, I think it you know, Williams, Curly, Bromel, Lyles. Like that's that group of four going for three spots. That's the way I see it right now. And then if you want to throw those other three guys in there just based on re- reputation, that's, yeah, that's I think you have your, to. That's kind of your final. And then if you want to throw you know bowling in there, I mean, I know it's. I mean, it's June. It's June first. Like so, it's it's not early, early anymore. Obviously, um, but man, I just can't. I don't know. I just can't buy that this many nine eight guys are just like no shows. So I, I, I think a lot of things over the next like two to three weeks. But are you going to take a ton? Yeah, but would you take a one of those guys, those nine eight guys that have question marks over Lyles, who's been yes. out there running it? And yeah, yeah, Lyles. I mean, he still dude runs like ten zero. Like I, I, it's not that's not going to get the job done. Well, I think if you, I think you're getting really excited for a fourth place ten zero finish in the pre classic. To be honest. <laughs> Well, no, I'm looking at it from the from the U.S. perspective, making the team. I look at him as being .01 behind Coleman. That's that's why I would be like, okay, yeah, but I I, I mean, Coleman ran terrible too. I, I just who's going to get that spot then? You think it's me, Williams? Williams could. Um, I wouldn't be surprised with a Baker or Bracy. Um, I just I so you're going against. You don't think he should double at all? Like, why are you discouraging a double here? This is kind of weird. I would love if he doubles. Uh, he hasn't, like, so he's not, before when he was, like, the best 200-meter runner in the world, without question. Yeah. It was a, it's a different category. Now, he's probably not the best 200-meter runner in his country, and he has, like, other guys there that are, like, trying mm. to take that spot. Um, so you just back I just, away? You I just, I, I just think up? his odds... You just, you just mail it in then? Just, that's, what, that's what you're teaching? I, just, I think his generation? odds of... Meddling in the 100 are 0%. I think his odds of making the team are like 10%. Not optimistic. All right, you're on record. I, I, you know, I, I think he finally looks good in the, in, the, in the two, which is great. That's the important thing. He, do, he hasn't run a good 100. Like, I'm, I'm trying to look. The last time he legally broke 10. Said the same thing about Steph Curry. 2019. Let me bring up the text. They'll say the same thing about Steph Curry. No, I'm sorry. He did it last year in the trials, in the heats. You owe an apology now. And then finished seventh in the <clears throat> final, running 10.05. Yeah, it wasn't good last year. I'm not saying it was good. I just... That's someone, what I mean. Like, I mean with he's Coleman getting the bye, someone's going to have to get that spot. Yeah, I, I just, I do, I think he's like the seventh or eighth best 100-meter runner in the U.S. All right. Um, should we go to distance? Yeah. I'm feeling good about that pick that I made that I forgot. Yes, I had to remind you that you made a good call. <laughs> I said that the I tried to get odds on the Saturday the open five, five. Yeah, yeah. Calling it an open five makes it seem like like I could have been in it. No, yeah, the, uh, the Saturday five thousand was faster than the world record attempt with Chepty Guy. And listen, Chepty Guy said that it was windy or whatever. That was never a serious attempt. Let's. I mean, they bagged it after a K. That was a bad idea. They shouldn't have done it. It would have been way better to watch him run against Aragawi, who ran 12 freaking 50 and just destroyed everybody in that race. 
while I'm on the top. Yeah, guess what? If he if he set the world record, I would have rather see him run against Aragawi, Tafera, Ahmed, like Borrega. Like it's are you like it's just not even close. And then while I'm on the topic of this 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 record night, which by the way, I mean pre you know Harefield, it's it's fast for four meter hurdles. Past that, I don't know. Maybe they should right. just do they should just host four meter hurdle record attempts. The women's five. So Gaday didn't even win. It was a record attempt for Gaday. Yep. She gets beat by Tai, who runs fourteen twelve, which is very fast. Yes, very you know all time time there. Gaday, I think, got passed with four hundred and fifty to go, and then lost by twelve seconds somehow, which is interesting. Uh, she said that you know th- this was supposed to be like an hour run attempt, and then she said she's going to marathon. So I, I just never thought five thousand record was something she was gearing her training towards. Um, no, she was just so. She's just done this so many times where you had to, like, in the yeah. back of your mind, you go, like, yeah, she's probably going to do it. Here's what they should have done that night. They should have done 10,000-meter races because there's not that many 10,000s. And it would be awesome, which is, like, every year on Friday night, pre-host is an, they host an awesome men's five, an awesome women's five, and then you can do one other weird race if you want to. Or just, an, I don't know, run a 1,500 or something like that. Like, whatever you think is cool to do at that moment. But just, like, the record, we didn't need it. We, no. didn't, we didn't need these excess rates. Like, you didn't need a 5,000 and a two-mile that night. Now, Kretchen and Saba almost got the record. So close. Yeah, 8.59. That's rough. Misses it by a second. But I don't know, even if she got it, it's still a two-mile record. I'd rather, yeah. just, I'd rather see her in the 5,000 or a 10,000, right? Like, I guess if there's no women's five or there's no men's five in the main day, then you can put it on that night. But I want to see at least one good 10,000 because I remember, was that 2011? I think Farah won it at pre, and then everyone's like, "Ooh, this Farah guy could could be could be something." Um, also, I'm noticing from the results, Kazakhstan picking up a lot of people in free agency here. I know, oh. yeah, I know they got the uh, Nora Geruto in the steeple. Um, I had missed that earlier, but she's repping Kazakhstan now. So, I don't know. Do you have any thoughts on the Friday night? I mean, the U.S. ten thousand championships were, were were cool. I'm talking about the pre, like actual pre classic. Yes. International fields. No, I, I agree 100%. I think it was, you know, I, I just don't need it. Like, I don't need the the record night. It, it, or, or if you want to do record night, make it a different thing. I don't want you to take away some of the best athletes in the world from competing against the other best, best athletes in the world to run, to try to chase records. Mm-hmm. Like, give me that at a random, you know, off week or whatever. Great. I'm in for that all the time, but like, yeah, I want chapter Ch- guy in that 5k, you know, um, it's just a weird thing. Like I get it. You know, you had a lot of spotlights on for pre and it's, it, it makes sense. Like I get the logic behind it, but I also would rather not have it. Yeah. Uh, those 10,000s though were pretty exciting. So Schweizer, Monson and Rogers make it on the, uh, women's side. And for the men, it was Klecker, Fisher and Sean McGordy. Yeah, not, I mean, not necessarily, not chalk, you know, necessarily. Like, no. it was, uh, so, that's that's always fun. Um, Men went out really slow, which, yep, you had talked about Fisher going Looking out like at... Like a 2640 guy to saying, let's, let's, let's run 2830. Let's run five I minutes. mean, it didn't hurt him, I guess. He didn't win, but he... Well, he didn't win, win. yeah. Yeah, I mean, so... I guess that's the problem. I mean, I, I just, don't I don't know. If you're, a tw- if, you're, if you're Grant Fisher, why? why? It made the race more dramatic so i liked it from that I mean, it was really weird Did you see boar turning around a bunch of times and then fell 
And then McGordy ended up passing him on the, like Boar was going to move on the outside. Like he was moving out. And then McGordy's like, all right, if you're going to do that, I'm just going to go right in. It was just like, he was like anticipating Boar moving out and then Boar ended up falling. So that was kind of crazy. Women's race was weird too, because the first two were so far away that it cut back to Enfeld v. Rogers for the last whole 200. So yeah, I didn't get it. And I like that better though. Yeah, but I think in the men's race, it would have been, if it was like a true to form race, it would have been, <clears throat> it wouldn't have been that spread out. No. And I, and I think the chances of us getting a clear, right. Th- this, this was so chaotic. It was kind of amusing over the last two months. It was silly. It yeah, was, it was, I mean, no wrong. It's entertaining. Like I, I, you know, I, it's not like I'm just scoffing while they're all like battling for the, yeah, <laughs> for, their li- for their championship lives. You don't see me buying Ray Romano standup tickets. <laughs> But it's just like where I'm just like, oh yeah, I mean this, yeah, I, I mean it doesn't have to, whatever. Like Grant Fisher probably he wanted to make the team, right? And that was yeah, sure, he that was it. the goal. Yeah, he did it. Yeah. Um, and he did. Uh, I, I still don't get it. Like I feel like you get yourself in that in the crowd and everything. Like things can go wrong, right? Like it's just you're just putting things out into chance that you don't necessarily that you not uh you shouldn't mess around with. But it, it it's a fun it's a fun last lap. Yeah, for sure. Other distant stuff. Let's go to the mile on Saturday and the women's fifteen. Let's start first with Faith Kipyegon, because you just text. That's when we actually started texting about the meet. You texted me, Jesus. Literally, that was just what you texted me. Yeah, that's it. And I didn't at first. I was like, what? And then I was like, oh, he's watching the meet. He's talking about Faith Kipyegon. (laughs) I mean, it was. She picked up right where she left off. Obviously, she was coming off you know her best year, and she's the best ever to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, and she just demolished. I mean, it was so. <clears throat> Sagai, to her credit, did everything she could. You know, trying to run away from Kipyegon is a bold move. Um, but as soon as Kipyegon decided it was over, yeah, it was so over so quickly. Um, she, you know, she wins three fifty two, and just demolishes this this field. I mean, no one's no one's touching her this year. Like she, something has she has to get injured. She has to do something for her to lose a race. She's so good. It, rem- it reminded me of when Safan Hassan was playing second fiddle to Genzebe Dababa for that moment. Yeah. That's what Sagai was like with Kip Yegon. Just total s- setup person. Like, you are there. You're not a rabbit, but, like, we know what's going to happen once Kip Yegon decides to go. I mean, you were early on the grace of all time thing with her. Like, I well, yeah. Like, before she crossed the line at the Olympics. I think you were like, this hey, <laughs> is it. I think I've seen it. it. Before last year, yeah. I mean, it was, and she's just gotten better, which is, yeah, you know, her resume is ridiculous. Um, yeah, like I said the fact that she literally is, you know, she's she's in her peak right now. Like it's, even though she's she several gold medals in, she's like, no, nah, I'm just gonna get a little better. I think, I am. I don't know. I, I don't want to. Yeah, I'm gonna call that one. I think I already called that one. I, I think I've seen it. I, I know it's gonna happen. She's going to win gold. I'm not as confident in her as I am Rojas or Krauser, but I just – who's going to beat Kip Yegon? I, I, I just don't see any scenario where it happens. You know, like, I mean – It would be Hassan. did everything she could. And Hassan's not running, and I'm slamming And even right now, I don't think Hassan could beat her. No. I, I agree. She's the only one with a chance, yep. but I would bet on Kip Yegon, no question. A fresh Hassan would be – a fresh – 2019, 2020, 2021 Hassan. But we haven't seen Hassan. Yeah, that's the thing. It's a couple years ago. But like, I think she's moved up, you know, and not to say that she couldn't 
you know, she, she would be my favorite for silver if she decided to switch over right now. Um, I'm slamming got, the panic button, by the way, on Hassan. Yeah. Someone who's long been a Sifan Hassan <laughs> uh, fan. Yeah. I just, when the Nike athletes don't show up to pre, I freak out. That's a fair point. That's uh that's really fair. Yeah. And I, I, I definitely want to, and I just, you know, want to see her, um, obviously, because it's worried. way more fun when she runs. Um, but Sagai was great. GDS finishes third. That's always good. Mirror fell off pretty bad. I'm not really worried about Mirror long, you know, no. in the in the bigger scheme. But well, Sinclair Johnson of the US 358. Yeah, yeah, finishes a, fourth. I mean, that's that's a big result. That's that's huge. I mean, it's <clears throat> it's just a brutal. The women's 15 is so good. Um, but is it though? I mean, it is, but it's it. I, I think it's pretty. We have a very clear one and two now. Yeah, and I mean, I think Mirror. I still have Muir in that conversation. Like, I still have Muir in the Sagai yeah. tier, like, ahead of everyone else. Um, and then you might put, like, a GDS and a Hailu in there. Yeah. And then I think, you you know, based on how they've been running this year, or this race in particular, like Johnson and and Hull. But I just – this one is a little – this is way easier to figure out than in years past. And in part is because I think we know who's actually going to run the event, which has been – actually, I don't know. Yeah, Sagai didn't run it last time. Remember, they Ethiopia didn't double anything. That's right. They had no yeah no doubles. I mean, I think it'd be crazy for her not to run it. Yeah, I mean, she's still you know yeah, I say it's it's her and <clears throat> her and Muir. I think are the you know silver medal favorites. And you know, just based on this, she has to be listed first. Um, Do you know what's cool about this though? Also, hmm. we know exactly how Kipyegon's going to run this at the World Championships. Even though yeah. it's not going to be a rabbit, like this is going to be the race of the world championships, and I think she'll run somewhere between three fifty and three fifty four flat. That'll do you be think it. she? So do you think she takes control right away, or does she key off somebody? Like if if nobody else goes, does she just she, say yes. screw it? Yes. Yeah, she yeah, yeah. I agree. Yeah. But also, she, I don't think it's realistic that nobody else would go. <laughs> she listens to the stuff. She under she understands the point you were making about the men's ten k, <laughs> right? Yeah, she's like, I'm better than everyone. Yeah. She's doing the thing that we always scratch our head about and wonder, why are you making this a 200-meter race when you're the best 1,500-meter runner in the world? It doesn't make sense. And the absence of Hassan, I think, you could say, all right, well, maybe she did that just to get the pace going because she didn't want it to come, you know, she wanted to just, like, thin it out. But I feel like she probably had, She's probably just so ridiculously confident that she's not going to mess with something that works, and she knows that this is what works for her. So she's yeah. She's keep... like, "Hey, anyone else want to run three fifty two? No? Okay, then I'll just well, take my gold medal and go home." Do you have any doubt? Let's just flip it over to the men's mile. Do you have nope. any doubt that Same that's going to go fast? Like, well, I... and I also feel Britson just completely laid down. Like, hey, by the way, this isn't a three men race. This is this is mine. See, I don't know if I'm going to go that far. Oh, I am. I'm, I'm fully in. I just, I mean, I just wasn't too long ago. I just saw him lose to Tefera at World Indoors, and he lost <sighs> last year. World Indoors. Who cares? Uh, you, number one, <laughs> love World Indoors. So don't make me remind you of that, Jason. But I think in terms of race tactics, the first lap might go slow. That might kind of screw it up. But, like, that thing's going to eventually even out, and it's going to be a 330 race. Right, like yeah, I mean, just I think that's where it's gonna. F- I mean, I would be stunned if it was slower than, you know, what three thirty two, 
just the way, just the amount of people who want to push it. But I, I was impressed by Ingebrigtsen. I liked the trash that he talked afterwards. That was great. That was, it, but that was some, that was Kipchoge type trash talk because it was, it almost on the surface doesn't seem like a trash talk. It just seems like someone who's so good. Mm-hmm. Like so, he said so. So um, asked if he's disappointed. No one went with him after the pacer stepped aside. You can't be disappointed with people not being better. Unfortunately, mm-hmm. I mean that's so good uh Mm -hmm. because that's like kipchoge being like well he ran a nice tactical 205 good for him um (laughs) damning with faint praise i just think you go into this so you go okay chariot ingerbritson i mean to me obviously abel kept saying we were talking about hey does he belong in that conversation yeah, I and think he does. He just disappeared in the third lap for some reason. I have no idea where he went. Well, and he's run. He's on a goal to run every fifteen hundred or mile. I think he year. went to this. I think he literally went to the snack bar during the third lap. Like he just disappeared, <laughs> and then all of a sudden he was there again. It was strange. But he's running the fifteen again this week, and he's just every week he's run and good, awesome because he's been really great. But if he had, a, if if there was a chance that he was going to beat Jakob uh, Ingerbritsen, this was it. He had run like crazy, and he'd run really, really good. Jakob hadn't really run. Yeah. And it was like, okay, this is that. And that's all I was like, this could be, this could be interesting. And Ingebrigtsen just demolished the field. Like it was not close. He's got that that little extra push. Right. Yeah, It was, I mean, it it was, I mean, he looked, it looked like Kipigon. Yeah. Where it's like, he decided it was over and it was over. There was no, no question about it. Yeah. I mean, Tefera wasn't there. Maybe, maybe he can pose a challenge. It's still early, though. I'm not. I'm not counting out the field from getting him. You need somebody with chariot stick-to-itiveness and aggression, but like that clo- like but with like a little bit better clothes, which is basically Jakob Ingebrigtsen. Which is Jakob Ingebrigtsen. Yeah. yeah, like you need in order to beat Jakob Ingebrigtsen, you need a better version of Jakob Ingebrigtsen. If only. He had brothers, is what right. I'm saying. Wait, he does. Okay, never mind. A younger- I mean, but you look at this top, you know, and then Hawker and Tier go five and six, which yeah. is great. I mean, honestly, if you look at the guys ahead of him, it's like Ingebrigtsen, and we haven't mentioned Oliver Horror finishes second. Yeah, which good is race for him. A great race for him. But then Chariot and Kipsang, like, I mean, yeah, Hawker, Tier, you know, they that's like right where they belong. <laughs> um, not say in a certain race that they couldn't like outkick maybe one of these guys. Right. Right. But like, you wouldn't have put them ahead of any of those guys. Right. I mean, you could put whore in the same category maybe, but whore had a better race. Um, well, hold on a second. Wait, what are you? Yeah. I'm looking at the rankings that I have on flow track here. Cause I had Hawker six for a while. Okay. I haven't updated them after pre. I just want to see where I, I knew I had tier in the top 10. This is what I had going into the weekend. Jakob, Kipsang, Chariot, Tefera, Katir, Kerr, whore, I had tier eight, Hawker nine is where I had him. Okay. Yeah. And they didn't really, they didn't beat anybody ahead of them, right? And there was a couple guys not there. Yeah. Correct. So they're actually going to move down. I <laughs> like them. Apples. But I mean, that's a, like, this is, this is, you know, I know they're both really good. And I mean, it's not an insult to any of them. It's just like people are really, you know, high on the, hey, can Hawker, you know, kick his way to a, a medal? Mm-hmm. Cooper Tier is better than Hawker by some people. And like, it's this thing, but it's like, man, the, it's a wall of guys they're gonna have to climb yeah and not to say it couldn't happen because crazy stuff happens in the 15 sometimes um but yeah this they're they're probably right in this range six seven eight you know i'd put them all right in that that same area 
I think it's going to come down to, and we'll, there's you know, more meets to come. So this could change a little bit, but I think this was the main pre-world championship showdown. I think it's going to come down to whether or not Inga Britson can get his way in terms of the race that he wants. Which I know is probably a little bit stating the obvious, but in the 1500, that's not guaranteed. Yeah, and I don't think he lets this... I mean, and odds are, you know, he doesn't let this go. Chariot doesn't let this go. But this... Like, all these guys are going to... Like, I just... I can't see this scenario where they come out and run something slow. No, and I don't necessarily mean slow versus fast. I just mean... They need to figure out a way to make him uncomfortable. This is where if te- team tactics were a real thing, you would yeah. wa- you would want to use them and they would be effective. Because you just you want to do something that throws him off of his game. Maybe it yeah, maybe it is starting a little slower. Maybe it is a mid-race surge. Like he's going to be probably fine with most of it, but that would give you the the best chance to win. Like you can't you can't just let him assert his control and make on the race, let him dictate it and then have everybody else react. Like I'm thinking about this will surprise you. I'm about to make a basketball reference. I'm thinking about Kevin Durant. Okay. You remember him? I recall. I think I swept in the first round. Yeah. Good player though. You you can't let him get to his spots on the court, right? right? Because like if he gets to his spot, he gets exactly what he wants and then he scores on you every single time. You have to figure out a way and this is one of the reasons why the Celtics were successful. You got to figure out a way to get Durant off of his spots, make him uncomfortable. So what they need, they need Grant Williams to run <laughs> the 1500. Marcus uh, Smart to dive out of the way. Yeah, Marcus Smart to flop his way onto the 1500 meters of flopping. I just see how well that goes. No, but I think just doing something to disrupt his rhythm, I think – there is no yeah. def- there is no defense in track and field, but this is yeah. as close as you're going to get to it. Like, you need to figure out a way, um, because he has all those other tools. When you made fun of me before about you need to you need to be a better vi- version of Ingebrigtsen, like that's because he can go out fast and he can close. So you need to figure out a way to gum it up a little bit. I, I agree, but I also think it's a possibility we're doing the thing that people try to do with Mofera for eight years and it's going to just be like, Oh, well, what you got to do is you got to go out real fast and that'll throw him off. And then he wins. And it's like, no, no, you got to leave it to the last minute because then it's more of a, you know, a wash, like anything could happen. And then he wins and you're like, okay, what you do is you hit him with a pipe and you're like, okay, that's probably the answer. Okay. I agree with some of that, but I think there's a difference between the 15 versus the five and the 10. There is, unless he's it's shorter. Faith Kipia gone on the women, you know, on the men's side, where he's just going to decide. But I, I, there's no need for me to mess around with you. Guys. Yeah, but but again, to find another distinction between the, the difference you pull up, the men's fifteen is just there's more potential threats to Ingebr- like there's more people right that can. I think if Kipiagon goes out and does it, like does what she does, like everybody's powerless to stop her. I think. With Ingebrigtsen, you at least have people in the neighborhood, in the vicinity, just as as just because of so many people's willingness to go out hard and, and attack it. And I think in the five and the ten, there's more time to think. 
more time to react. You can thin out the field, right? Because that was always the funny part. It's like, well, when it comes down to it, how many people are there that can contend with Farah? Like once they start clicking off fast pace, it's like, all right, five maybe total. Right. So then you've already taken the field down from over 20 to five versus the 15 where, okay, wow. If somehow the first lap or two gets screwed up, that's, you know, 25 to 50% of the race already has gone not to plan. I'm saying this as a compliment to Ingebrigtsen. I'm saying this as, you know, you need to come up with something that's going to change the pattern because if you don't, he's going to run it like he did at pre-classic, which is the the shift that we've seen the last couple of years in the 1500. Usually these races had no resemblance to what the world championships or the Olympics would look like. Yeah. And now And now they look almost exactly what the world championships and Olympics look like. So you can see what they want to do in the hopes that you can change it. And, no, I agree. I think, and that's I think a it's new your phenomenon. Own, I think you're right in the event. that it's it's the only chance, but I might just be past that where I just don't think... And, you know, Chariot's amazing. Like, obviously, I still think that's obviously his biggest competition. Um, but I, I, I do think... I, I'm right on the border of just going, uh, it doesn't matter. It's he, He's too good. But you will agree, though, that the 15 has just higher variance, right? Oh, no, 100%. But I, it, it's... Yeah, it, it's just a matter if he reaches those certain heights that people do, where it's like, oh wait, th- this, this guy just doesn't lose. Yeah. <laughs> like it's it's fine. You could do whatever you want, but you could do you could do the Radisha, or you could do what Chariot did for two years, and it was just like, yeah, guy's just not gonna lose. I'm just envisioning a weird scenario where it he does get stuff. He gets stuck in the back somehow. Don't know how he does it, but then they go out in sixty, right? Which isn't crazy, and then Chariot runs fifty three. <laughs> For the second lap. Right. And it's just like, all right, this is weird. You know? Or like Cole Hawker or Cooper Tier makes a, a bid for home from 800 out. And everyone's like, wait, should we go with this? Like he runs the Allen Webb 12 and a half second 100 in the middle of it. Just stuff like that. Just it's too – right now it's too easy for him. Well, and he seems so mature. Like that's the thing. is like I also kind of think like if he – if someone did pull that – like – I don't know. I feel like he's more likely to just be like, eh, go ahead, bud. I'll see you later. Than he is to like yeah. chase. But I, I, you never know until it happens. Obviously things get crazy and you don't have a ton of time to react. Uh, so like I said, I think you're right. That's it's the only move, but I also mm-hmm. don't know if it's going to work. Yeah. Well, there's also the Tefera method. Just beat him. <laughs> like, yeah, that's an option. I mean, yeah. I just, don't just straight up beat him. I mean, yeah. Just, I mean, just, maybe, yeah, maybe Tefera just does something stupid. That's what it's going to take. Well, my, my point is Tefera's really good, but there's other guys in the field who could who are as good as Tefera. I don't think Tefera is a singular talent. So when I see, oh, Tefera beat him, I also say, okay, maybe Terry could do that. Kip Sang could maybe do that on the right day. Like, that's something that could happen. I mean, that World Indoor Championship, it was Jakob to the front, right? And they just they just sat on him. And then... Tefera moved up with a couple laps to go and then just shadowed him basically all the way around. I mean, maybe that, honestly, we probably overcomplicated this thing. Maybe everybody's just going to do that. Maybe they're going to be like, hey, you're the fastest guy in the world. You go ahead and take it and then make him literally lead the entire way. Yeah, which, and if you do, I mean, that's possible. Then, you know, he might not just get touched. Like, I, I... 
I mean, I'm looking at this world indoor race. It was 3:32, so it was, I mean, it was fast pace because he he felt like he needed to go from the gun, and Tefera literally just sat there until. Yeah, the I mean, he set the turn. world record. You know, he ran 3:30 earlier in, in indoors. So like, yeah. he's yeah. I just think indoors, like I'm like, okay, yeah, he, yeah, it's March. All right, that's fine. Discount it. Uh, R. Keeley. Yep, did what she needed to do. Gets the win. 157. Yep. Wilson and Rogers. And Wilson looked two, great, three. and Rogers did too. Like that was, I think both those women like looked like you know the medalists that they are basically. Mm-hmm. Um, but Keeley's just she's at a, a slightly better level, you know. So I, I think this is this is exactly kind of what you wanted to see out of Keeley mm-hmm. for this race. Um, Would have so liked to see a thing, Mo. Well, yes, that was. First and it, it, she it turns out she had COVID, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. She had COVID. So which... that's I mean that's a bummer. Obviously not. Uh, Nothing you could really do about that. So no. it's it's just a bummer. Um, I'm sure she'll be she'll be good and she'll bounce back. And but that's now now it's the only question, right? It's like okay, yeah, Keeley's definitely the number two. Now it's the question: Is she on the same level, or is she you know the same tier as Mo, or is there a half a tier difference, or what the, what the deal is? And we may not find that out until literally the final. Yeah, the championships <laughs> totally possible. And then if they just if they run you know 156s and 157s before that then you're just going off of last year so when if mo wins going away you're like uh obviously and then right. if Hutchinson pulls the upset you're thinking okay well <laughs> she was she ran 155 last year right not crazy why did we think that this thing was a foregone conclusion i think i mean mo being out because of covid makes more sense just in terms of like, wait a minute, we just saw her pen relays and she ran really fast. <laughs> like, yeah. Like, did she get, did she get injured? Like that makes, that makes more sense. So hoping for a speedy recovery for her, obviously to see her back out there. Um, Krauser threw over 23 meters, 400 hurdles. What was that? Uh, Dos Santos rolled again. Geruto won the steeple. Coburn and Ferrex were way back. Which yeah. Kind of not in nowhere. They just weren't in the race. Yeah. Um, back to that men's 5,000. Chalimo dropped out. Not a good sign. Um, did we talk about Centro getting surgery on the pod last week? No, I think we just mentioned he dropped out, but we didn't have like any reason behind yep. that. Yep. So ACL meniscus issue. Yeah, that's, so. I mean, it's sad. It's, I'm, I just think it's the end, you know? Um, I don't. I recovered oh. from meniscus and I'm like out in the backyard just squatting major weight every Tuesday and Thursday at, uh, in the morning, so he can get it back. I'm not. I hope know, so. As an injury expert that I am, uh, I I think that it, I think that's a it's not no injury is easy to come back from. But if you gave me that versus a hamstring issue or an Achilles issue, I think I'd take this. Yeah, I guess. Or a back issue. Now I mean a personal, Jason. I can relate. I can relate absolutely. Um... No, I, yeah, it, it's the thing with Centro is he was already not, you know, it passes prime, right? I mean, it's not saying anything crazy there. Um, and then you add the the injury on top of it. Like, I just, I'm not super optimistic. Man, this is just pessimistic, Jason. Just I, yeah, I, it's, like I said, I didn't think he was going to make the team this year before any of this happened. 
Jason also said Kevon Looney would never get over 10 rebounds in a game again. So, <laughs> and he had like 24 the next night. So just take all these predictions. I don't think I, I don't recall saying that, but. Um... Let me get the text out. All right. Let's see what we got here. Okay. Well, let's talk about Rabat and then uh, we can do some emails and talk about some of these Ostrava races because we got a uh, world record and then we got the men's 800 update. But Rabat, what are you looking for in Rabat? Which comes up this weekend? Yeah, a kind of a not the you know not the deepest meet of all time, but actually maybe the highlight is the men's eight hundred. Bang the drum! I wish I was like joking, um, but you got career debut debut. We haven't seen him run. It's June, so that's a, I'm glad he's running. Um, you got <laughs> Rotic, you got Amos, Saruni, yeah, yeah, Garcia. Your guy, who you've not given up on. Nope. Uh, Twall. He's yep. part of your. He's part of the group you can never remember, right? Yep. Twall and Ben, baby. Yeah. So, honestly, Wayne I mean, Yanni. Wayne Yanni, number one. Oh, Wayne Yanni, absolutely. Like, yeah. So this is. It's about as good as you could ask for. I mean, I wouldn't mind an American uh, or two in there, but like, yeah, we could. We need some. Uh, yeah, you know, Brazier is uh, some question mark for sure. Um, but yeah, that's a pretty good. Pretty good. Uh, You're picking there. that over foreign hurdles. No, Warholm by himself is more fun than any of that. Um, and <laughs> so why did you lead with that? Well, because I'm trying to give the 800 people something to believe in. You know. Okay, here's my question: How slow would Warholm have to run for you to be worried that Dos Santos can beat him? I don't think there's anything to run in this race outside of him getting injured. Because I just need to, you know, like it's he hasn't run. So yeah, true. I just you know, and, and he's not one to take things easy. So I expect worst case, he's probably like forty seven six or something. Um, Imagine. Expect, Sorry, go ahead. Know. No, I just I just think I mean I think he'll run faster than that. But like he just you know he doesn't take things off usually too easily. It's just interesting. Like which sport would you say track and field is most like? You can Swimming? do team or individual sports. Swimming? Okay, I don't know enough about swimming to make a comp. Keep going. Give me another one. Uh, golf? Okay. Because it's not a team sport, so I, it's, I'm going to name a bunch of individual sports. Well, the re- but golf, Tennis? it's like they have multiple. Those, But those have like multiple. I'm just saying the world championships are in six weeks, and he hasn't started competing yet. Yeah. And I'm just thinking about the NBA playoffs. I think the first round itself took six weeks. So it's like, I guess, what's the tennis or golf comp? Like you're preparing for the Masters and – you only play one tournament ahead of time, I guess, or yeah, I feel French like French Open or something like that. Prime Tiger did some stuff like this, like but they have the multiple opportunities. The reason why I think the team comp is it's just like there's one championship a year, unless you're in soccer and there's seven every three days. But like it's hard to like with with tennis or golf. It's like all right, we'll just wait two months and there'll be another major. Yeah, I mean. Yeah, I, I it's it's an interesting one. I, I there's it, I mean obviously we see it's not like it's the first guy to to do this, you know, like especially No, no, college. I just thought of it. You know, I just thought but, of it. You're right. It is weird. Like it's just one of those things that kind of go, "Oh, that's Well, there's that's a weird. bunch Yeah, there's a bunch of other people too. I just when you said he I hope he runs it's June. I thought, oh, "Man, the World Championships are in July." Like it's kind of crazy that we haven't seen it. I like how immediately you're like it's swimming and then I had no follow up because I Right. Think. Well, cuz I mean that's, you know, that's the most direct line probably. Yeah. Um Yeah, yeah no, so Warholm, you know, I mean sorry, sorry to the rest of the field that you know, he's running by himself here. Um 
women's hundred, you got uh, Thompson, yeah, and uh, Talu, I think. Yes. Yes. So that's that's good enough. Anytime Lane Thompson, you know, she carries events on her own. Mm-hmm. Uh, what else did I? I see Nian Saba's running a three k. Mm-hmm. That would uh, be on my list too. Yeah. Yeah, that's. I mean, she's she's really really good. Uh, I guess Toronto's in that race too. So there's a couple. That's a good good match. Um, yeah, it's kind of a weaker field overall. I'm trying to think if I missed anything. I said Kip Sang's running the 15 again, and so is Katir. Yeah, he's a he's a guy. He could another guy who's in the mix. Katir, yeah. Katir, or sorry, Kip Sang running a lot. No, he's running like crazy. Which hey, he's on a good, you know, he's on a good groove. Obviously, so I'm. Not mad at that at all. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Did I miss anything? No, those are the highlights that I so I just written down. Warholm, Nian Saba, eight hundred, and then the uh, women's hundred. Um, let's go to email though, because we got some emails that relate into some of these races that happened uh, in Ostrava. Yeah. First with Trevor, unbelievable. Subject line. Can we get the Angry World Record song for Femke Bowl's 36.86 meter hurdles? She takes down Heynova's previous world best mark of 38.16 from 2013. Not an often run event, but pretty damn impressive. Does this move her up a tier to potential gold medalist? I love that we got a big three on both the women's and men's side. Going to be another fun year in the hurdles. Um, so first, can we do the Angry World Record song? Because, I mean, I'm calling them world records, but obviously 300 hurdles and was it they only use seven hurdles instead of eight like they do in high school? Which Something I found like out. That. It's just they – we just can't get on the same page with any of this stuff. I also think it would be great if she had the four hurdles, but whatever. Anyway, play the song. Congrats yep. to her. Yep. Here we go. Did you see a person do a thing that no one's ever done? Higher, faster, farther, more points ever been earned. World record. World record. I do think she has a chance at winning gold. And yeah, I think. I- like I, th- I think her chance is better if we're taking the two bronze medalists. I think her chance is better than Dos Santos's chance mm, yeah. of of pulling the the big upset. Dos Santos, I think that just depends. He's already beaten Benjamin. I think it's, yeah. it's going to depend on Warholm's form, which we'll find out more about. Um, but Bull. Even before this race, but I watched this. She looked very, very good. I thought she had a chance just based on how fast she ran last year and how tough it was going to be for those other two women. And even you extend it to the men's side, those other, you know, that that group of four to come back after last year, that's tough, both physically and emotionally. And those other two are younger. Bull and Dos Santos are younger than all the other ones. Yeah, it's. I mean, it's such a crazy because I mean, how young McLaughlin is too. Like where you're just like twenty two. But again, another person who hasn't. I mean, I think she ran a high hurdles this year, but that's it. But yeah, she did that last year. So yeah, shrug emoji. Um, Muhammad's been running a bunch, but and she has the bye this year. Yeah, right. So she doesn't really need to be at her best until the 
actual meet itself. She said she might run the open quarter at USA's, but yeah, you just kind of go. Can you go? Can bowl PR this year? And it's like, okay, that seems. I mean, granted, you it's know, hard, but yeah, she's the maybe. third fastest in history. But yeah. like, it also seems like, yeah, she could. Um, but then can Sydney PR this year or Muhammad? Like, mm-hmm. so it's just, I, and we have so little information. It said Muhammad's run a little bit. Sydney hasn't run at all. Bowls looked really, really good. Um, yeah, I think she's. I think she at least has to be. You have to list her. Like, it's not just McLaughlin and Muhammad. I think she's she's on the she's on the list. She's obviously the third favorite, but mm-hmm. yeah, she's she's so good. So outside of relays, Muhammad's run two flat quarters, fifty two six, fifty one five, and then two four minute hurdle races, fifty three eighty eight, fifty fifty four fifty four, fifty four, fifty three eighty eight, and fifty four fifty four. Yeah. So now the fifty four fifty four was the Birmingham. You know the weather was bad, whatever. But yeah. I mean, as much as I, we know that Haired Field is uh, great for Formula Hurling, yes, I think that Bulls PB will win that meet this year. That's I think so too. It's just so hard. I mean, we 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 hit. I mean, can it actually get better? Like either either side, <laughs> like it just seems impossible. But I hope I'm wrong. So we got the song in there. That's good. Um. Let's go next to Noah from New York, formerly of Boston. Drink. Subject line is the 800 meters is back, baby, and the steeple too. Okay, the subject line is hyperbole, but it has been bleak out here in my 800 meter defense streets. I like how Noah's taken up this position, taking up this responsibility. I have to report that the Ostrov 800 finally did not stink. Not under 144, but with way too many guys in it. We should cap it at 10 and a pacemaker. Two guys navigating and running 144.1 is quite good. I think we generated at least five interesting storylines out of it. One, Emmanuel Wagnoni, world junior champ, enlisted at 17, clearly ready for the senior ranks, and pretty amazing he was able to get out of those boxes and hold off second place. Uh, Slimani Mula, A-plus name and intriguing athlete as a 2-4 guy, 21-4-45-96 at 19, who clearly is – he's not 19 anymore, but that's when he ran those times. Uh, grade 800 looks like a potential second coming of Nick Simmons with that closing ability. Three, Max Bergen, British Phenom is back, courageous race, and he held on quite well. Best he's looked in a while. Four, Noah Cabet, another junior who really impressed indoors and is backing up outdoors despite a ton of extra running in this one and still breaking 145. Five, Nigel Amos, he's not done yet. Apparently he faded a bit, but after the end of last year and beginning of this one, I thought his days... As a factor, we're done. I now expect a 142, 143 in a bizarre world championships flame out to confound us. Well, that would be in line I with I think everybody. that's, yeah. yeah. I think 142, 2, and then a ninth place finish at the world championships is dead on. Other 800-meter developments might have been missed, but Emmanuel Career finally opened his season last week with a 46.22 at the Jacksonville meet in bad weather. We already said he's going to run in, in Rabat in that 800. Um, Zahafi, another sub-145 at the NCAA level. Yeah, he has the, the Texas Tech runner – Moad Zahafi is the world leader with 143 from Florida Relays. Brandon Miller, 146.03 for the win at regionals, looking more like himself. Ermias Germa, a 17-year-old Ethiopian never heard of, ran 144.36 in Belgium May 22nd, then ran 336 for for the 1500 this weekend, one to watch. I now feel confident that the 800 will be good this year with this infusion of youth and intriguing talents. Now for the other terrible event last year, the steeple, Lamecha Germa finally popped off. I was wondering why he wasn't at pre, especially with training partners Walla and Borrega there. 
a Nike usually making guys do it well. It's explained now. Yeah, he went with 758. That was the first sub eight steep on a while. Cool to yeah. see him run the type Years. of time he's capable of. Him versus Al Bacali is always good, but now we should have some better races on the circuit with the tone set now. And they sent a follow up. Colin Skipper, who ran 144.52 in the B heat of Ostrava, the B heat. Okay, <laughs> we are back. So, so what sticks out to me here with is that Noah has uh, Google alerts on for the 800. He has, yes, and I'm sure he's a big fan of Noah Kabat because they share a name. Yeah, but the four guys he named. I mean, we had, you had we had heard of Max Bergen before, and people perhaps had heard of you know Wayne Yoni from World Juniors. But in terms of like finalist appearances, like the four guys he names in this Ostrava meet are completely new. Yeah, and it, it's big. It, yeah, it made me think like, are we going to get like a whole new like is the changing of the guard just going to happen <laughs> like six or eight guys at a time? Right. No, it's a good point. Especially, yeah, just, I mean, when you look at 17, 19, like all these things, it's like, okay, yeah, that's that's intriguing. There's is that a solid uh, 800 at Rabat this, this week. Like, there's there's potential. You know, I don't, you know, we may not get to a, a golden age. We may not have an Athingmo or Keely Hodgkinson. But, like, if we get a bunch of guys who can run 143 and and decide to do it, like on the big stage, like I'm in for that. That's a fun race. It's not a make fun of it race anymore. Well, what's what this is forcing us to do is dig down to find who it's going to be, which is making us more knowledgeable of the entire field, right? If this was the women's yeah. race and there was someone out there running solid times, they're just they're not getting the same attention. But now we're like, ooh, Slamani Mula, <laughs> whoa, one forty four. Like that's pretty crazy. So here's here's the. 2019 final. Brazier, Tuca, Cherry, Hopple, Vasquez, Ben, Arop, Murphy. None of those guys have retired to my knowledge. So that, that group could be there, but they also could not be there, right? That whole group could be gone. Here's last year's. Career, Rotich, Dobik, Bowl, Ben, Tuca, Twal, Amos. Should have made you do this. Murphy. Yeah, I know. I should But, like, you could have a different nine, I, I don't I don't know. Someone would have to look it up. I don't even know how you'd look. That, that can't up. have ever happened before. A completely, at least, at least not in the world championship era. No repeat finalists from the last, like the last year's global championship. Yeah, like this can't can't. Yeah, be, and odds impossible. are odds are it won't right because yeah, someone's gonna make it through, of course. Yes, but, but just like even if the, like two made it through, that would still be crazy. Yeah. Well, I'm okay. So, who are the repeats from? 19 to 21. So Rotich is in there. That's one. Tuka is in both. That's two. Uh, Hopple's not there. Vasquez isn't there. Ben is there. That's three. A-Rop and Murphy. Murphy's there. So that's four. If I'm counting right. Yeah. And 21 was wild with a lot of upsets. So, yeah, I think zero would be... (laughs) Would be strange, but it's possible. Yeah, it's possible. Yeah, and like I mean, it's you know we're trying to talk ourselves into it a little bit, which I which I I think your point is really good. Like I said, if there was a Rudisha, a a Mo, a, a Hodgkinson, whatever, like you're right, you don't dig as deep. Mm-hmm. But you know, in this case, it's like it just doesn't. Yeah, generally happen like that. It would be like if going to the NBA 
playoffs and you're like, man, like there's no good teams, which some people might have said about this year's. Um, <laughs> yeah. You're like, wow, like nine teams can win the championship this year? That's like, seems crazy. Yeah. Well, how many world junior champs can you name off the top of your head? And now you have when you know about Wenyoni though. Now, right. Because he's a contender in the, uh, in the in the in the in the eight hundred, right? I'm gonna look up the world junior champs right now just to see. Just <laughs> say I don't know if I can, but I'm sure. All right, name the top eight in the eight hundred <laughs> at the eight twenty. All right, U twenties. Here we go. Oh, Maybe. to Tobogo in the hundred because okay. then he went sub ten. Uh, Udodi Uwazarike. Uh, so he runs for Stanford now. Um, so he'll be NCAA finalist. Anthony Pasella in the 400, 44, 58. Wanyoni, Vincent Keeter in the 15. Tedese Worku in the 3. Benson Kiplagat. Oh, Sasha Zoya. We talked about him because he ran 1272. Even the hurdles are lower, but we're like, oh my gosh. Um, women's side of things. Tina Clayton in Boma in the 200. All right. Yeah, but nobody else. Nugent in the hurdles. I mean, people heard of her, but I mean, I, I guess you could say Mboma this year has a chance for gold, but it's pretty much when Yoni's the guy. Yeah. Who has, who's the, the only guy there who has a, a realistic shot at gold. So, and many people, you know, they don't follow the junior side of things. So it's like they're inter- getting introduced to him for the first time. Let's keep moving. Yeah. Uh, Ryan from Raleigh, formerly from Atlanta, listened since 2014, but don't write in much. Been at least four years. Nice. Well, thanks hey, for writing he saves it again. for the good stuff. I like it. He's from Raleigh. I I love Raleigh. Now that I've been there, and I feel like we have like ten people who listen from Raleigh, which is huge. Finding out today Raleigh. before. Yeah. Well, I love Raleigh. I love the biscuits. Uh, finding out today before pre that Safan Hassan is out for the two mile. When you pair that with Mo out of the 800, Jacobs out of the 100, Cranny out of the 10,000, and a good bit more, it's tough pill to swallow as a fan. We'll see how this email ages after this weekend. If multiple world records go down, I may be more forgiving. <laughs> that being said, the lack of transparency around these withdrawals is astounding. Injuries happen, and no one would blame an athlete for withdrawing for health and career longevity reasons. But radio silence or, quote, not feeling myself in training is tough for us as fans to comprehend. Other sports do not and could not function like this. I like to have more empathy, but a lack of knowledge of the situation makes that challenging. Pretty tough to get excited these days. Was planning on going to Eugene for Worlds this year, but crazy cost drove me off. I guess I should be glad because half the fields might withdraw for private reasons. Obviously joking, but what I need is Jason and Kevin to convince me why I shouldn't be so cynical about track. Thanks, boys. That is Ryan. Well, I'm bummed you're not going, Ryan, first of all, because Jason would have bought you a beer. That's uh, true, which is still on the table. You know, that'll reduce the costs your have only gotten spending lower. by $6 for the, for the weekend. Um, $6. Listen, um, it's world championship prices. You know, they're going to bump everything up. Here's um, the thing with track. Yeah. Here's the thing with track. This is where the size of track actually helps us. If someone wants to scratch last minute and it bothers you, you don't have to pay attention to them, right? There's like a million other events out there. Well, not a million, but <laughs> there's at least five, all right, where people aren't going to scratch. And then you can get excited about those. And I think. You know, for stuff like World Championships and Olympics, they're going to show up. Of course. The games don't really happen with those events. I understand your frustration. Believe me, 
someone who's done a podcast and written and talked about the show for 10, 12 years now. It is frustrating uh, because there are so few moments and the ones that are that do come up, you want to celebrate them. You want to get excited about them. You want to have that sports anticipation that is so much fun. That's why we follow and love sports. Um, but at a certain point, the reality is track is still small time in a lot of respects. And because it is small time, the obligations aren't there as they are in other sports. But there's always, you know, someone's still going to win, right? And then you can get excited about that story. And then also there are just so many events and so many interesting other people to follow who are going to show up. So like you may, you might have been bummed that Safan Hassan was out in the two mile. Um, but then you're like, all right, well, it's cool that, that fifth Kip Yegon just destroyed everybody in the 1500. That was kind of cool to watch, right? She went out in sick 203. They went out in yeah. 203. No, and it's, but I, I definitely see his point because midweek or whatever, when all the all the dropouts seemed to happen, you know, yeah, within like 24 bad. hours of each other, it was like, oh man, Mo is out, Hassan is out, Jacobs is like, like it was just like gut punch after gut, because like you're so pumped about this and you're like, mm-hmm. man, Mo Hodgkinson, this is going to be great. And you find out Mo has COVID and you just go, well, that sucks, but it's nothing you can do about that. Yeah, right? yeah. So that one, that one's understandable. You go, Jacobs, it's like, oh crap, like the hamstring is, is real. So you, I get especially when you when there's nothing behind it. Yes. Now, like last year, Benjamin with that pulling out of that 400 hurdles last minute, right? Where he was going to go against Warholm. You like, still that remember was, that? That was lame. <laughs> like that's his bottom line. He didn't say any other reason. And I get, hey, it's it's their career. They can do what they want. But I can also say that sucks. Like that was just a shitty move for everybody who wanted to watch that, who bought tickets to it, everything else, right? Yeah. Like it's it's the same. You're going to an NBA game you know, TNT doubleheader, whatever. And they're like, you know what? We're actually, we're going to sit, we're resting four of our starters tonight. And, and that happens, right? Like they do this. Uh, but I see, I'm more sympathetic to them because they're competing a whole bunch. Whereas track no, I agree. is not. And tracks like they'll, they'll skip like, but I'm also less sympathetic to them because they make $30 million. Yeah. But so my co-host on the flow track podcast, Gordon always brings this up. He's like, but when track athletes scratch stuff, it's not like they're not running. They go do a workout that's just as hard, right? Whereas no, the NBA yeah. players, the NBA players actually just rest. Like if they're not playing, you see them on the bench and they're just sitting there. No, and I, and I and I do like I get it, and it's overall it's like, hey, yeah, you know, I would have loved to run, and I'm sorry I disappointed people. Like I have to do what's best for my season, and I do get that. But I can also go, hey, if you sign up for a race and you just decide to pull out and you didn't get hurt. You didn't have this. You were just go. Eh, I'm not feeling it. I don't want to lose. Mm-hmm. Suck it up. <laughs> like, yeah, you should support you're a professional the athlete. Sorry, yeah. like that. I don't. I have no pity for you. Like, get your shit together and like get on the track and run. Well, this is why, like, towards the end of Bolt's career, like I understood it because he was banged up and stuff. But why I thought that last athlete of the year that he won was so ridiculous. Yeah, he ran like three times. Right, and you just so okay. We don't have any mechanism in the sport to change that especially with someone as big as Bolt, like the incentives aren't there. But at the very least, we shouldn't be encouraging it by giving them Athlete of the Year awards. Yes. And 
in the same respect, it's like from a fan perspective, it's like choose to be – you can be a fan of the people who show up a bunch and race a bunch. You know? I mean maybe Abel Kipsang. Like maybe not necessarily drawn to Abel Kipsang, but someone who's doing something yeah. similar to that. Well, Sean Merritt was a fan favorite and our favorite for a long time. <laughs> Showed up and ran all the all the freaking time. Yeah, and so, it's like, hey, oh, he lost, you know, he finished second this week. Fine. Yeah. Also, Skip. if you, if you run twelve times, yeah. then we don't care about your couple losses. It's when you decide to run three times, yeah. and then yeah. we kind of overreact to those one loss because you're like, oh, well, we haven't seen him run, yeah, and they lost this race. What am I supposed to make out of this? I don't know if we restored his faith in the sport, but no, but. I think your point is good that there's something like pre-classic in particular. You just you come out of that thing. Move and on to the next like, thing. Holy crap! There were so many good things there. Move on to the next thing, and this is why when when athletes always talk about well, it's like well, we should get more credit for this or that, or why are we not seen as a sport the same you know the same level of other sports and in regards to stuff. And it's just like well, the obligations aren't the same. Not to say that if you had the same obligations, then the, then the money and the fame and the attention would all follow. But it's like understand that you would be signing up for something drastically different different than what you're participating in now. And I think professional athletes in, in the larger sports would look at track and be very confused. It's like what you can run whenever. Right. Your contract yeah, no, it says, is weird. Your because... contract says, all right, you minimum of ten appearances, but you can run any event, like anytime yeah. you want to. Like and you yeah, one of your races isn't against nobody in your, you know, hometown. Yeah. You're just competing against a bunch of nobodies yeah. and you're doing that. Like yeah, and it's but I, I think for me, you know, and for and for him, where the the biggest frustration is just like pulled out of the race. There was no reason for it, or it was just yeah. like eh, I'm not feeling great. It's like okay, rub some dirt on it. Sorry, I'm not I'm not gonna feel. Yeah, bad but the problem is we we never know. And I and his his sentiment here is well taken, where he says, um, if um basically says the lack of transparency um, is astounding. Injuries happen. No one would blame athlete for withdrawing, but radio silence is tough for them to comprehend. He said, I'd like to have more empathy, but a lack of knowledge makes that challenging, which is like, you don't, it could be something very serious, right? Or it could be nothing. And you just don't know. And that's yeah. The, and in this case, we like kind of found out stuff after this email. And well, after it's different for different athletes too. Yeah, it's like, okay, so well, this, this person, Hey, this is not their fault at all. And this other person, okay, maybe they deserve more scrutiny because of it or or they deserve to be criticized. But it's like if nobody – like if you never know, how do you expect to have any sort of connection with a fan base? How do you expect people to care about your performances if you're not sharing any of that information with you? And I get it. It's like a cyclical thing because it's like, well, just, I'm not getting paid that much. So like I don't really owe anybody else anything. Totally understand. Right. But, but then if you get that engagement with fans, I think that's – helps you know obviously overall it's performance based but still yeah right but i'm saying that's fine if you want to handle it that way but then don't be upset when the sport isn't treated quote unquote quote unquote like other sports that's what that's what makes me scratch my head about the whole thing yeah all right that's fine if you want to do that if you want to not talk to anybody not tell anybody what you want to do you know if you want to do the whole race two times three times a year thing you know, don't, don't run the comp, don't run the national championships, just do a time trial by yourself and your teammates or whatever. Um, but then don't be like, man, tra- I don't think track athletes get their due. It's like, I right. saw you four times last year, man. Right. Yeah. What do you I mean? 100%. What are you, what are you talking about? All right. 
But again, if you're getting paid like, I don't know, 80K or I'm making up numbers, uh, like 100K or something with all, you know, it's all incentives based. Maybe you're just like, well, what do I, I don't know anybody hitting anything. Yeah, all right. Yeah. That's fine. That's fine. And, that's, and that is fine. But it's also, you can't blame fans when they get mad at it. Yeah. All right. Here's uh, Noah from Oregon. Yeah. He said, Hayward is dead. Long live Hayward. Lifelong Oregonian as well as someone who raced at the classic Hayward many times. So I was very concerned when a few years ago I heard about the teardown of America's most iconic track and field venue. Yeah, you weren't alone in that. No, I was alone. I'm still upset. How can you take our beloved track and just bulldoze it to the ground? It was sacrilege. Yep, that's exactly right. But then I attended the pre, uh, pre this weekend. Uh, yeah, I'll see. He was one of the, one of the few. Uh, I was blown away. I had seen the new stadium many times from the outside. One of my kids goes to UO, but actually stepping into the venue and watching world-class track and field from the third row was a totally different experience. Here are seven observations about the new Hayward. One, from the athlete's perspective, it's even better than the hyper-lead you believe. Talked to a lot of the runners, uh, and they love it. The running surface is ridiculously nice, and the peripheral warm-up training and media areas are awesome compared to old Hayward. This is better for the competitors, no contests. Everything is optimized for the athlete. Two, spectator experience is amazing. I moved all around from section to section scoping out the best vantage points for different races and there's there are no nosebleeds or obscured views the massive size of the stadium might lead you to believe that you won't get up close feeling but that's a false impression even from the upper deck the track still felt close the one criticism here is that if it had really dumped rain only the cheap seats would have stayed dry the folks in the front rows would have been the ones getting soaked luckily it only sprinkled on everyone in oregon where's gore-tex so it was no big deal three would the famous spectator rail near the 200-meter start area still be open? The olden days, we could often just stand on the rail to watch races. I was very wor- worried that the new Hayward would reduce that in-your-face option for spectators who were willing to stand. Good news, there were still spots where my kids and I could get down and basically lean out into lane 9. I even took a group of kids down to watch the water jump during the steeple, and we were right in the action. The athletes still came up into the stands after the races and mingled with the fans. We sat in the Bowerman Track Club section, got to meet and talk to many of their runners, Woody Kincaid, Mohamed, Christian Schweizer, Grant Fisher, among others. Donovan Brazier was just one section over and happy to give my daughter an autograph. Did she ask, like, what's the like, what's up with the eight? What's the deal, man? You doing okay? <laughs> Jakob came up and took a picture with the kids, just like Webb did back in 2001. He's got a, got a picture there with Jakob, which is awesome. Fun fact. Oh, there it is. When the, yeah, it's at the bottom of the email. When the right. starter's gone, no one can see it, but you and I. Uh, Jakob doing his patented thumbs up. He did that at the press conference too. Jakob <laughs> just loves I, – I, I, like I like a good thumbs up. When the starter's gone went up and the crowd fell silent, you could hear hundreds of birds chirping in the rafters of the stadium. It was beautiful and somewhat unreal. As the crowd was shushed, the birds took over. Speaking of birds, at one point, two actual ducks flew across the stadium like those doves released at the Olympic Games. The new stadium doesn't have an organic feel with lots of wood and rounded shapes and birds. Six, the Megatron ginormous big screen was awesome. The ability to watch a thrower jump a second time was great. Not every meet has a uh, 5,080-square-foot video option to fall back on if you miss the photo finish. I think it might be the largest screen at a track and field venue. Seven, the wavelight technology was underwhelming. There we go. If it is supposed to be controversial, it didn't seem to be. The runners still seemed mostly focused on running their race. The human pacers were still out there doing their jobs. And because of the overall focus on technology in the sport, shoes, tracks, data, etc., this didn't seem to be much of a paradigm shift. The races still felt like races. The best races on Friday night were the championship 10Ks, not the record attempts. I could see that. Great. As always, thanks yeah. for a great podcast. I hope to see you at Worlds in Eugene. Bring your running shoes, hit priest trail, and hobnob with the athletes as they do their easy morning runs on, runs on the Willamette. So who's who out there on Saturday morning? Thanks, Noah in Oregon. Uh, appreciate the note, Noah. It's good to hear that you enjoyed how do you, the time. How do you feel about this? I know I mean, you I are 
Yeah. People know – people have heard my stance on this. Do we need to do this again? I don't know. Like I'm sure it's great. Yeah. But I like the other one better. I haven't been to it, but I'm just no, going to yeah, tell you I like the other one better. The other one's so perfect. I think – and what will be interesting because – so my first time obviously be the world championships. And I loved Old Hayward the one time I went there, but obviously you have a bigger connection to it than I do uh, because you were – you know, you at school there. You were there multiple times. Um, I think – the fact that I'll be there for world championships will just make me even more impressed because it'll be full, presumably. Yeah. Um, which, you know, there was a lot of empty seats and I know that was, um, <clears throat> a criticism. Uh, but I would imagine yeah. for the, you know, the trials and the everything else. And for the, I mean, the world championships in particular, a stadium that big and nice and full, like it'll just be yeah. like, Holy crap. Like, I'm sure it's going to be incredible and I can't wait. Um, but I get it because, I'm a Cubs fan, and if they tore down Wrigley Field and built the most advanced, coolest stadium you've ever seen, I'd be like, give me the old one. Do they have obstructed seats at Wrigley? Uh, Just a few. Yeah. Yeah. It's not as bad as it used to be. But. Well, there was yeah, there definitely was someone some behind some beams at, at Hayward. And I get the sight lines and all that stuff have got to be awesome. Again, I'll, I'm sure I'm going to love it. Like, my expectations are, are super high. In terms of the attendance... I saw someone post it's like, well, it was raining. It's like, no, man, that doesn't count at all. It's Oregon. I, yeah. I've sat in the stands at a pre-classic when it was pouring and uh stadium was pretty packed. The, the difference is the stadium's bigger, right? So Yeah, that's really what it is. So, you know, in the olden days, maybe you had, you know, it, it was, what, 90% full? And then you had that same amount of people. I don't know. If, I don't think there's more track fans now than there were 10, 15 years ago. Yeah, it's probably the same. Right. So those are just going to sit empty. The other thing is, I think it is legitimate. It's like if you're going to go to, if you're going to make a trip out there. I was just going to say, you have U.S. championships and worlds and pre. And NCAAs. Like just, yeah, like it's, it's in an off year, I'm sure pre is going to blow up a lot more. Yeah. Or an intramural meet where I shined personally. Like maybe you're going to go out there for the intramural meet. I don't know if yeah. they do the championships there, but yeah, there's just, there's a lot of reasons to go and pre may not be on your list like maybe you're like hey i want to go out for a big meet worlds is too expensive i'll go to usa's yeah or maybe you're like i'm going all in i'm going to worlds or maybe you're thinking i'm more a fan of the college side of things i'll go for ncaa's and check it out there's just there's so yeah if you're traveling you're probably not picking pre even though pre was is incredible yeah but it's just Yeah, worlds are in the U.S. for the first time. So Again, if you're doing your Oregon trip, it's it's going to happen. It wasn't a great look because my memory and, it, you know, if you're a Prefontaine classic historian, you can write in and tell me that I'm wrong. But my memory of both being there and watching it on TV the old way, it always looked really full. Yeah. Because the, the seats that were empty were ones that were – tucked away in the corner those like those obstructed some of those obstructed seats yeah and those rows and those spots that you would get because of where the tv cameras were positioned always would look full or there just wouldn't be any seats there at all whereas where as a pre-classic there was a lot of shots where it would show you know three or four empty rows which obviously is not a good look but for world championship it's going to be it's going to be full Yeah, you know that that's going to expand out to whatever twenty, twenty, what twenty two, twenty three, or something like that. Not thirty, which is what they said it was going to be. I still remember that one. I think it might be the only one who remembers that one. 
But then again, I'm the only one still chained to the front of the <laughs> gate. Still doing yep. this podcast. So, Noah, man, I don't want to rain on your parade. I'm sure it was awesome. I'm glad that you had a great time. I look forward to meeting you at the World Championships. It's cool that you saw the athletes. So, But, you know, it's just I get that I'm in the, the minority here. Like, I totally understand that. I totally accept it. No, I don't think you're I, – I don't even disagree. It's like I, I said, I know I'm going to be blown away by it. I know it's going to be amazing. But, like, I am a total sentimental yeah. sap, and I lo- love, like, the classic old stuff. So I – it'll just be one of those things where it'll be a bummer, but I'll also just – I mean, obviously, there's nothing you can do about it. So you just kind of just go, well, this is really awesome too. Yeah. Yeah, I cry once every two or three months. Not about Hayward, just in general. So it's just like I'm a, I'm a sentimental. Like I think oh, I do my, that way more now. Yeah, as I've gotten I, older, it's ridiculous. I think about my kids getting older. I just started. Like I cried at the <laughs> I cried at the kindergarten graduation. See, that makes sense because you have kids at least. I don't even have kids. I'm just like watching TV. What are you crying oh. about these days? Oh, everything. Really? Yeah. I mean, don't get me wrong. It's usually, which is, I guess, it's probably uh can we get into this better no i'm saying that usually for me it's like tv movies and stuff like that like i get very into like those things and that that makes me happen more than real world stuff which is uh, i don't know what that says about me but i i, I, I cried when uh, clay thompson did his post-game interview after getting back to the finals mm. no not really uh what's the last <laughs> movie or tv show that you've had that's a good to... question um Oh, I guess I just watched Love on the Spectrum the other day, and there was a couple good tearjerker moments. I haven't seen that. Yeah, it's uh, mainly you know people with like on the spectrum dating. Obviously, it's not. Oh, okay, gotcha. uh, But it's some very it's it's so uh, genuine and nice, and it's just kind of like oh, and you you know it's very it's, it's good good times. Yeah, like happy said. crying, a lot of happy crying. Anytime a Pixar movie's on, I'm gonna cry to that, oh. even though I've seen them all a bunch. You know, see, it's all been it's all been sad crying for me recently, but. Um, that should say Top Gun. I still haven't seen Maverick yet. I'm really pumped. Oh, is that what it's, it's called, Maverick? Yeah, I think to, or Top Gun Maverick or Maverick. Yeah, gotcha. like that. Gotcha. But yeah. I, I, I cannot wait. All right, let's go to our next emailer. Yeah. Uh, man, we're gonna. F- All right, Brian. Uh, quadrupling down on Tier being the U.S. champion and running 331 this year. Hawker beat him at pre, but Tier was boxed in pretty bad down the stretch. He was still in a terrible spot with 200 to go and finally got out of the box in the curve, but was too far back. It was good that Tier had a race like this and not at U.S. Champs. Yeah, we didn't really talk about that guy's ton. Also, we didn't talk about Colin Salmon running 356. So he's now behind just Webb and Ryan on the uh, high school list. Yeah, no, that's a good point. Yeah, it- Totally forgot about it. Yeah, that's still... I mean, he was already under four. Yeah, he, he was, PD, uh, but... but that was still amazing. Yeah, it's, it's, it, should, it should have been brought up earlier. Uh, Brian also says, when I saw Sinclair Johnson finish second, close behind GDS at Sound Running Meet a few weeks ago, I thought she's going to make the 1500 team this year. After her 358 at pre for fourth, I think she can win the U.S. title. Is it crazy to think she could win a medal in the right race? That pre-field is essentially what the World Champs final will look like. Perhaps our Laura will have a better day at the World Champs. If when Sinclair wins USA's, I think we'll have to her, consider her a medal threat. I think you're getting a little ahead of yourself there. I pro- I agree with you. I think it's. I mean, I think it's unlikely, but it's. Is it? I mean, I'd pick Perrier over her still. So yeah, okay. So do you think the U.S. men or U.S. women have a better chance of meddling? Mm, uh, wow, that's a good question. Hold on, let me let me think. <laughs> well, so you have Jakob, you got Faith, you got yep, Chariot, so you, got- you got. Sagai. Yeah. You got 
Kipsang slash Hor slash Kerr slash Tefera slash Katir. And then on the other side, you got GDS slash Mirror, Mirror slash Hilu. I'll say men. Oh, interesting. I was kind of leaning women, but I think it's really, really close. I think men have the possibility of the race going a little crazier. As I mentioned before, they're going to get Kevin Durant off the spot. And <laughs> whereas the women, I think it's just going to be flat out until they have nothing left mm. from the gun. So you think it's going to take like 356 or something to metal? It's, I think it's going to be similar to what it was in uh, Tokyo. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. All right. Marshall, we got a bunch of emails from Marshall. Yeah. We have the two from last week, and then he sent two more. I told you it was going to happen. Uh, a couple thoughts on pre-game when LC should carry sunglasses fall to the tractor in the last 20. It wasn't sunglasses. It was a – was that like a crown or like a headband or a tiara I, Yeah, I wasn't totally sure what it was, to be honest. I did yeah. see something, but I – yeah. It came off while she was running, and she went back and picked it up. Uh, I'm not sure I learned anything. During the race and finished second still. That was <laughs> probably the most impressive part we should have mentioned. <laughs> I'm not sure I learned anything from Norman's race. Yes, it showed – what? What do you mean? How did you not learn anything from Norman's race? You ran 43 freaking 60, Marshall. What are we doing here? <laughs> Yes, it shows he's progressing, but is he able to run his best at the conclusion of rounds? Well, no. We, yeah, we don't know that. And, that. and that's a fair point, for sure. But I, I think this... Yeah, but do you know how many times you ran 4360 last year? Yeah. None. Because as you told me last year, you're like, where's the evidence that he's going to be like a metal threat? I'm like, I don't know, two years ago? And you're like, yeah, I had done it. <laughs> now there's at least one proof of concept here. And that's, to me, that's the biggest thing. And, and I don't disagree. And that's why I still have Steven Gardner as the favorite. But... At least now we know that Norman at his best yeah. can run with anybody. And we didn't have that last year. Yeah. No, you're you're right. We I learned a lot. Marshall didn't learn anything. I learned a lot. <laughs> uh, I love the OTC kits. Nike World Championship kits are down like ugly. Uh, four, Fred Curley has freaking tree trunks for legs. The circumference around his thighs has to be bigger than my head. Uh, it's Marshall from St. Louis from Iowa. He also says uh, they'll be timing the Festival of Miles, including the Mascot 400. He'll be timing Big it with, uh, River for Race, race management. management. Da 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 da. Uh, <laughs> all right, I'm like, we got to keep going on the Marshall emails. We here. do. Uh, Alan Culpepper has recently taken over NAZ Elite, although Ben Rosario will continue to coach the existing stable of marathoners and plans are in the works to expand the group to 30 ish athletes. To me, it looks like Hoka is consolidating its presence on one team instead of distributing it across multiple athletes and training groups. Now you may be wondering where all this cash is coming from. Well, I have answers. Hoka is owned by Decker's Brands, which owns Ugg, Tiva, and Sanuk. Sanuk? Don't know what that is, but yep, probably should. <laughs> Decker's has seen a 20 per- – I thought it said 200 20%. 20%. <laughs> improvements in revenue and earnings over the last year with Hocus specific revenue increasing by 56% to $892 million. Hocus sales have grown more than 50% for three straight years. Wow. They also plan to increase prices by 6 to 8% in the upcoming year. Makes sense. In the company's most recent earnings call two weeks ago, is he? <laughs> Marshall, man. Marshall's everywhere. Is this Marshall on He's Wall the Street? business chief. Yeah, Wall Street Marshall over here. He's like on the call next to his little Bloomberg terminal. Uh, management said that the majority of its uh, earnings, I'm guessing, there's a word missing here, uh, came through market share expansion with existing run specialty. They touted a new relationship with Foot Locker and Dick's Sporting Goods. Basically, Nike has dramatically reduced its run specialty offerings and other wholesalers and is taking a more direct-to-consumer route. Higher margins from Nike as they can sell retail price to consumer Instead of wholesale, forty to sixty percent less than retail. Do you understand all that? 
Sure. What's at foot action? That's what I want to know. <laughs> What's at the finish line? Uh, to ride a little inside baseball since the start of the pandemic. I thought we were already doing inside baseball, Marshall. How, <laughs> how much farther can we go inside this baseball? Run specially has been crushing it as more and more people turn to outdoor activities. Additionally, that makes sense, pandemic. Supply chain disruptions have made it hard to get enough shoes into the states to meet demand. As a result, there's less of a need to discount shoes and spend on sales and marketing. Based on all the above, the company is flush with cash to build out larger presence of the professional running scene, even if their super shoes are garbage. That's according to Marshall. Uh, it'll be interesting to see what athletes they bring in and whether they can bring home any significant victories at hardware. There you go. Earnings call, Marshall. I like it. That's good. This is good stuff. Um, I need to take notes. Yeah. So, dancing. Another email from Marshall. Immediately following his victory in the Great Manchester run, Jake Robertson showed off a few dance moves and a stellar mullet. Now he's no Ezekiel Kenboy or Jimmy oh, Gracier, but it's a great that's start. Tough. That's okay. Now, a while back, Chief asked a question about what uh, we would do slash change if we were the head of Earth Sports. While I would demand athletes dance and celebrate for at least 15 seconds following their victory, Bolt celebrations helped him become must-see TV. Shakari's celebration at last year's trial put on a path to global relevance. People, myself included, watched Chad Ochocinco and Terrell uh, Owens purely to watch their touchdown shenanigans. Athletes could post their victory dances on TikTok and grow their fan base. See chart below and put more eyes on the sport. Could you imagine if TikTok was around in 2008, 2009 with Bolt? All the best. That is Marshall. And he's got, again, he's on the, like, the TikTok earning call too here. He's got all sorts of graphs and things of that nature. Let me watch this Jimmy Gressier or uh, Jake Robertson celebration. It's solid. It's good. Crosses the line. I like it. Let's see what sort of dances you do. Brushes the your shoulders little, off. Yeah, brush the shoulders off and then kind of starts a robot into like a oh, head-bangy 80s move almost. No, is that the gritty? Oh. I think that might be the gritty. That might be. Oh, maybe. Yeah, see, you were too busy hating on the Warriors. You should have been watching the Wait, that doesn't make any sense. They, John Morant does that all the time. Mm. I, I believe I got that right. I'm not I, sure. Yeah. Uh, maybe it's not. I don't know. Someone's blocking him. Oh, yeah. Yeah, because someone in the comments says, why gritty when you can't gritty? Mm, and then fair. Jake Robertson responds, why are you the only negative thing on here? Did you have a bad day? <laughs> and then he danced again. And then another person responds, no, that shit was not the gritty, LMFAO. He's just telling the truth. So it's definitely, I feel proud of myself that I understood, that I knew this was Well done. Gritty. I When I think of gritty, I think of the giant uh, monstrosity oh. monster of the Philadelphia Flyers. Phil- yeah. And I love that guy. Wait, it's Phillies, what? isn't it? Or is the Flyers? No, the uh, Phillies is the Philly fanatic. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, we should know that. We should know that. We have a memory race that Orlora, Elora. Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah. I know it because the Grizzlies did it, and then I was like, okay. And the, a lot of NFL players were doing it when they scored. So we're a little behind on that dance, but that's okay. I'm uh, I'm in favor of more dancing, for sure. Jason is pro dancing. All right. Next one, Iowa High School 800 gets violent. There was a very unusual incident in the Iowa 4A 800-meter championships. This one's from a couple weeks ago. You can see from the video there was a good bit of argy-bargy at the break point, which resulted in a punch to the head. Ultimately, the kid who threw the punch was DQ'd after finishing ninth. The kid who tumbled to the track finished last in 212. After protests, he was allowed to run 800 time trial where he ran 154 and changed to place third. In between getting thrown to the track and his time trial at the end of the meet, he won the 1600 in a blowout, splitting 62s for the first three laps before winding it up with a 60. I'm not sure I agree with the outcome, or at a minimum, the officials should have stopped the race at 100. Can you imagine if a scenario played out like this in the Olympic trials or NCAAs? That is Marshall. Um, I'm sure people have seen this video. The problem, I well, it's just hard. The, the, the angles, 
like I can't see that first move because someone cuts in the, the runner who gets hit in the back of the head um, cuts in a little shoulder shoulder rubbing. yeah yeah bangs bangs into the runner in red and then the runner in red just full-on clocks him in the back of the head like yeah, the runner red kind of yeah he, he bumps him back just a little bit but then the big wind up and just hits him yeah I couldn't tell if it was in the head or the back of the shoulders but either way punch quite hard yeah so he's you got to DQ him obviously (laughs) yeah the question is what what do you do with the other runner should they have a time trial by themselves to determine the place yeah that's where i'm happy i'm not making these decisions (laughs) because i'm like okay we're gonna dq the guy who punched the guy and they're like yeah jason we knew that and then we're like what about the other guy and they go that's it that's all i got you guys just figure out the rest so here's the thing. This is why I would want to see more. I mean, he does slam. I mean, he's basically shouldering the kid off the track. Yeah, it's so. If that kid goes flying, I mean, th- there's a scenario where this gets completely re- reversed. Yeah. That kid goes flying onto the infield. Then it's the runner who ends up winning who gets DQ'd, and then the runner in the red who potentially gets to do the rerun by himself. That's a good point. So it's just now. Obviously, when you start throwing punches, that's so far off limits and out of bounds and such a clear disqualification. Some of the others, you know, with pushing and shoving, you can always sort of explain that away as I'm just trying to hold my line or maintain my space. Like that stuff is, is a little different. So, I mean, I would want and I guess I'd want to see more of the race, like a better angle before this to see if there was another shove. Cause like someone could say, all right, well, this guy should have been, they both should have been DQ'd. I mean, one of them is like a, misdemeanor and the other one's like a felony but it's like they, they both shouldn't be in it yeah what, what, which i'm not I, against necessarily but yeah what i do think though and what what he said is i think there should be a callback that should be relevant up to 200 instead of just the first hundred yeah that's that's, that's not bad i don't i don't uh, i don't disagree with that you could say hey there there's going to be an issue later on but stuff thins out in that backstretch also you have gee, my goodness how many people are in this 800 final one two three four five six seven eight nine ten eleven twelve and they're running it in alleys misses state finals i feel like we should get that down to eight again none of this excuses the punch this is so (laughs) so wrong on on so many levels uh don't do that but yeah i guess if you're not gonna dq him Then a rerun because this race was basically taken from him by just this uh, unsportsmanlike act. Not the worst idea, but it's just like, where's the line with that? That's what I wonder. And there's just no clear rules on this. And every state probably has its own rules. Every federation has its own. Like, if this happened at the World Championship final this year, if if Ingebrigtsen hits his brother 100 meters in the race, are they going to rerun it? No. Yeah. So... We just don't. There's just no 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 consistent application. I mean, even if it's an accident, right? And the race gets totally screwed up, they don't do it. I guess I guess you'd have a stronger argument when it's like a flagrant act outside. I mean, freaking the Athens Olympics, the defrocked Irish priest comes onto the course and tackles right Delima of Brazil. Yeah. I mean, at a certain point, these crazy things happen. Yeah, it's and just... it impacts the outcome of races. Sometimes it's from inside the event itself. Sometimes it's outside. 
But there's sort of this feeling of like once the gun goes off, it's just like, all right. And especially once you get past that first hundred meters, it's like you're on your own. Like whatever happens is going to happen and you're sort of at the mercy of everybody behaving in a manner that's sportsmanlike. So when something happens that's unsportsmanlike, there's not really a mechanism to properly fix it, right? Because if this is a sport with a whistle involved you or breaks, you stop it and you penalize the person and then you keep going. You just can't – it's like – Doing that and running is tough. Maybe we'll have to look to swimming. What happens if you jumped in someone else's lane? Sick cannonball. <laughs> Ruin their race. Seriously, though, what, what would you do? I'm curious. Like, you have to make a decision here. What would you do? Uh, so after, like, if I get to re-watch these videos and everything, I go, he kind of shoulder-checked him as he was coming in. Probably not enough for a DQ on its own, but I probably just neither runner. It, like, it's just... It is the way it is. Okay. Results, result, result stands as is. There we go. All right. Final ruling from Jason, the official. Mike Don't Z feel great from, about it, but, you know, it's what it is. Yeah. Mike Z from Tampa. What's up, boys? Chief. Sorry. Mike Z from Tampa, he says. Uh, Florida State, not state's meet, was about a week ago, and it was one of the best I've been to. Friday the 3 This is going to be a deep high school. Uh, there's going to be a lot of high school names here, so okay. people can bookmark this. Because uh, we had, you know, we always like to hear about the people first. And Mike Z is providing us that service. Anyway, uh, this is the Friday 3A, second largest class. Names I think will make an impact on the NCAA level and possibly beyond. Uh, starting the day, the Dillon High School Fort Lauderdale girls four bite ran 903, set a state meet record. Before that, Alyssa Jones of Miami Southridge, Stanford, commit long jump 639, almost 20 feet, high jump 177, and won both the events. She then went on to win the 100 and 200. Her teammate won the her team also won the 4x1, um, although she maxed out events and wasn't on it. Although it, quote, wasn't as impressive because uh, Micah Holland of Montverde Academy the day before won her double with an 11, 26, and 23, 20, 23, 13. She's a junior. Jeez. Miami Northwestern girls then went 1-2 in the 400 with Aaliyah Butler. Georgia commit ran 53-42, while teammate Jada Bushy Boucher ran 54.35 in the 800. Not one, not two, but three girls ran 208 with Shiloh Johnson diving at the line. Shadow Chosinko's daughter, mm. uh, who was pressed to the meet. All three girls will return. Caroline Wells of uh, Stanford Commit, Lily Hennett of Bama had two good races in the 16 and 32. Wells won both. Girls' events were capped off with a 4x4 battle won by Miami at Northwestern, running 345, beating out Miami Southridge and St. Thomas Aquinas. Um, who ran 348 and 349. Biggest results on the boys' side was a junior, Chris Johnson of Dillard, running 10.45 and a minus 0.2 and a 21.78 to win the one and the two. King Mac, what a name. That is great. Of St. Thomas Aquinas beat out Makai Gammons of Hialeah Miami Lakes by 0.01 in the 4668 to 4669. Good run for King Mac there, Jace. At the regional meet, uh, they ran 46.25 and 46.32. Both would be in the top 80 of the NCAA this year. They're both high school juniors. Mac also anchored the 4x4 to run 3.12.8. 3.12 in a high school. I mean, I know like other high schools run fast, but just like 3.12 is fast. It's like you think about. Like, like you know, 50 seconds gets you 3.20. So like to have that many guys under you know you're averaging you're averaging what you know 48 seconds just like i know i know other schools have done that but just Still. from our from our generation it's just like oh, crazy it's to not think even about. close like, yeah. it's so it's like, so fast i mean just the thought of having four 48 second guys at your high school 
It's just like, wow, that's pretty good. All that in, in one day, not bad. Other highlights in the week, Reinhardt Harrison, Oregon commit, ran 148 in the 800. Could he have won the Diamond League? His PR would put him 37th in the NCAA this year. He also has an indoor mile of 401.15. If he breaks four this year, do we hear the new song? Yes, we would. Absolutely. Wait, can we play it for Colin Salmon? I mean, he had already broken it, but he broke it again. I mean, that's true. I, it's, but yeah. I we should, let's do that at the end. Or is in the helping zone of being after senior graduation, but before he asks <laughs> where MacArthur Court is. <laughs> nice. His teammate, Penn State commit Cirrus Ways, ran 13.53 in the high hurdles and 36.26 in the 300 hurdles. Florida's moving to the 400 hurdles next year. Well, that's cool. Uh, that's interesting. Montverde Academy junior Michael Larry in the long jump, 790. Good for 16th in the NCAA this year. And then won the 100, 200, 1046, and 2106. We get it, Florida. You're good. <laughs> and in wild events, the largest uh, and in wild events. The largest class in Florida was one boy, Niceville High School boys, panhandled by Destin. They scored 77 points to win the team title. In all running events combined, they scored four points. Um, they wow. had Oh, I think, I think he's saying in field events. Uh, the throws had multiple kids sign D1 offers over the last few years. This year they scored 24 in the discus, 21 in the shot put, and 23 in the javelin. Their girls also won wow. and doubled the points of the second place team. Probably the most impressive track meet I've been to so far, but I think that will change this summer. And Eugene at Worlds. Yeah. That's right. Mike Z is going to be there. All right. Let's play the uh, – oh, wait. Hold on. We got a voicemail from Chief, and then uh, let's play the sub-4 song from Tim. Yeah. All right. Here's Chief. What up, boys? Chief from Illinois, now in Annapolis. Drink your milk from Breland. Uh, Jason. First of all, shout out on the odds because I sent that article to DraftKings and DraftKings then published those as the odds so I could bet on them uh, on Saturday. Unfortunately, they did not get them up for Friday, so I didn't get to bet on the U.S. 10K, but they had them up for Saturday. <clears throat> Speaking of the 10K, uh, Emmanuel Bohr trying to pull a Chalimo and swing out wide and block off McGordy. Didn't work. McGordy hit him with a Euro step and just got by. So I figured I uh, you'd get a kick out of that. So with that, peace, boys. Yeah, Euro step is what I thought of. But hold on. Is he being serious or is he joking? I have no idea. If I, I know certain... Places like sometimes DraftKings, FanDuel, like some of those like that just book a thousand, no, not even thousand, tens of thousands bets will do stuff like that. But I had no idea if if my odds actually got on DraftKings. That's pretty cool. Is there I a way know. to check? It's a great question. I could probably ask my brother-in-law who's one of the head traders over there. Um, <laughs> okay. Other than that, though, is there a way to find out if this is true? Wait. My my brother in law is actually the draft king. Yes, he's he is. Royalty. Yeah, he's literally one of the yeah the the, the president of, the, of like VPs of the train of of, tra- of trading. So I'll have to ask them if they if they did that or if he was even aware that that happened. I don't know. Well, I'm sure it's top of mind. I'm just probably got an email, right? Yeah, it's probably That's... the only bet that uh, was taken. Wait, you can send in odds? I uh, feel like I... he's. Is he joking with us just to make me feel stupid? No, but I mean, I know that like certain places will put up odds, like if they can find like some source for them. And I guess if it's like, hey, this is like a legit track and field site, and this seems real, like 
I, I imagine if they do, that the the limits they put on are incredibly low because they're not yeah. going to take the chance of actually getting beat. But like, they probably don't care if somebody you know wins hundred bucks off of them or whatever. Yeah. Okay, we need to find out more. So I'll do my research. I'll like create an account. I'll try to go in the back end, and you ask Mr. King. Uh, yeah, because DraftKings is not legal in Nevada, so I, I I wouldn't have been able to check that. Um, I'm looking now. I want to look at your odds uh, again to see, like, if people bet them, like, what what would have happened? Like, would they have gotten broke? On so Sunday, Coleman plus one fifty, Bromel plus two hundred. So Bowerman, Mile, Ingebrigtsen plus one twenty, Elaine Thompson, Rob minus six hundred, Field was plus five hundred. Kip Yagon minus three fifty. Seems like a deal now, minus three fifty. Yeah. So I don't think you put them in any sort of bad spots, right? No, I mean like, yeah, the thing is like I mean you could have done everybody a solid and been like Ingebrigtsen plus four fifty. <laughs> right, yeah. If I knew this was He lost happen. his last race. Um yeah, and actually the you know, the fan hub they reached out to me, they want me to continue doing that, so I'll probably be continue posting odds on uh things throughout the year. So nice. Love it. I'm very excited. Keep it going. All right. That's it. We got to roll almost two hours uh, of this podcast. Um, emails. We're all caught up on emails. So send us new emails. House at gmail.com. Doesn't matter the topic. Uh, maybe when is the last time you cried? Maybe we can go back to that. There we go. Perfect. <laughs> Didn't think we'd end up discussing that. Uh, no. Nope, or how, but, you know. how, what's your plan to beat Jakob Ingebrigtsen? Mm, I want to That's know. good. I like that. Send that one in. That's another option. Uh, Eugene, thoughts? Are you going to yeah. be there? If where so, should, where, where should I sit? I'm still looking at tickets. You know, I mean, yeah. obviously, there's the obvious finish line tickets or whatever. Where, where are the media seats, Kevin? Do you know? Uh, I have no idea. And actually, one thing, another thing, Noah mentioned about how it's great for media. I've heard actually the exact opposite. I mean, nobody wants to hear about media complaining, so I didn't really go into that. But, yeah, uh, that is my least favorite thing. Listen to like an NBA podcast where they're like, "Well, the um, seats aren't even good." I'm like, "No one, shut up." <laughs> so this is a tangent. People can turn it off um, at this point. But I listened to the so Heat Celtics. Um, Celtics win Game Five in convincing fashion. Yeah, and ESPN Hoop Collective did a podcast between five and six, and six was going to be at home in Boston. Mm-hmm. And Brian Windhorst was basically saying, and I, I empathize with him because it's you know you're on the road a bunch, like you want to be with your family. But he's like, I, I he's like I haven't been home for like a, a Memorial Day weekend, like I haven't been home for a long weekend in forever. Like I am begging the Celtics, please close out the Heat in Game Six. So then when I watched Game Six and the Heat, won, that's like all I could think about was just like, man, this guy's plans are getting completely screwed. But that part I, I have sympathy about the oh my seats aren't good enough at these basketball games, I have no sympathy for. Well, you want to be able to see. The problem is, like, because if you're writing about the game, you want to be able to see it. I'm guessing they have monitors and stuff now because I feel like you could learn more by, like, just watching, you know, both views, like seeing what the TV perspective is because you want to see all the replays and all the angles and stuff, but you also want to, you know, be able to feel the pulse of the game in, in the arena. But I haven't – so I haven't been to Hayward since they've changed it, but – People I've talked to have said the media setup's worse, and that's just going to be compounded by the fact World Championships is making it even worse. So I'm guessing because I, you know, I'm back there doing the interviews and stuff. So 
I don't think I'll ever really sit in a seat. It'll kind of be more like, oh, let me run out and try to watch this one event, and I'll stand in an aisle somewhere or right. find, a, find a free free spot. So, I mean, you did a good job in trials. You would move up and actually sit in the Tribune, which is in the top top two rows. I don't know how much of that is of even available, but I don't. I don't, I don't even know, but I know the the meet like the general media setup. Like they didn't build the thing and be like, "Hey, how do we make this work for media?" That's no, obviously yeah, not what they which did. Makes sense. Yeah, but but then you have a event with more media than you've ever had, and then it starts to show of like, "Oh crap!" Like right. now now where are we going to put all these people? It's also tough. Like some of the stuff, it's like a it's a trade off because you want to put the fans super close, but then that like push like the photographers are squeezed out like they don't have a place to stand right right which is like there's there's things like that there's subtle things like that where um you, you're making trade-offs but i don't know again what it's gonna look like for world champs but we'll figure it out yeah where should uh, noah can write in where he walked on the whole stadium where's yeah the, yeah where's where's a good spot you know maybe an underrated spot one that's if you're like hey finish line real great um <laughs> You can actually, for extra money, be in the water in the steeplechase pit. Oh, I would buy that. <laughs> Houseofrunnergmail.com. We'll talk to you guys next week. Jessica Ennis. It's another high school support. Now the old-time list gets one more. It started with Jim Ryan. Now the numbers multiply it. Because another high school guy just went support.